Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly where we have the conference semifinals, well, the ending of the conference semifinals, I should say, taking place right now currently between the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks with the Nets holding a three-point, correct, correction, six-point lead uh, just now over go. the Milwaukee Bucks in a very crucial Game 7 winner-take-all at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, I am your host, Kent, I am joined on the line uh, by Lou, and uh, Lou, just to, just to let you know, in case uh, in case tonight's episode may end a bit early, I don't. It's weird. I'm looking at this. Uh, I'm looking at this message right now on Blog Talk Radio, claiming that the scheduled episode for tonight is late, and it should have started now, going on eight minutes ago, which is weird because we're on the line right now. So I don't know why it's doing this. Uh, mm. But if we do get disconnected at all tonight, it's not my fault. That's all I got to say. It's it's all blog talk. Um, well, but you know. <laughs> we ha- yeah, uh, of course. Yeah. What else, what else is new when it comes when it comes to this uh, when it comes to this site? Um, As someone who's been on blog talk for five years now, I'm used to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really weird how they how they run their uh, how they run their system nowadays. Yes. Um, yeah. But hell, at this, at this point, it wouldn't be a, That's great. That's great to hear. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be uh, a Missy AE podcast without there being some blog talk issues. Uh, yeah. For sure. Um, but yeah, we have. Uh, Quite a bit of news to talk about in the NBA. We have the yes. big Kemba Walker deal uh, mm-hmm. to discuss. We also have some more coach firings, including well, actually, no, I wouldn't say a coach firing, more like a coach resignation. Departure. Uh, to discuss. Just a, yeah. a a departure. Yeah, we we'll we'll put we'll put it at that uh, at that. Uh, we also have the Stanley Cup final, or not not the finals yet. It's still the playoffs, but it's the conference finals yeah. right now uh, taking place, or what would be the conference finals. And yes. we have we have a whole bunch to cover tonight. But uh, for anybody tuning yeah. in, if you want to give us a call, uh, 657-383-1308. We will be live for the next two hours before we go into the hour after show. Hopefully, if there's no other issues from Block Talk Radio tonight, and a programming yeah, note, a programming note, we will be starting up the uh, the Big Brother recap shows shortly after the after they do Ooh. the cast assessment, which or not the cast assessment, but the cast release, which will probably be a couple of days after that we will do our first show. It will be on Friday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern uh, this summer for the Big Brother Recap Show, hosted by Melissa, who you guys uh, you guys have heard on all of our other podcasts, uh, as well as mm-hmm. myself. I will be I will be co-hosting 
for the Big Brother, uh, the Big Brother recaps this season. Uh, and as far as any programming notes for this upcoming week, I have not spoken to Jim yet. Uh, obviously, we did not have a show this past week because Jim was uh, Jim was away. Uh, he was actually at the he was at the uh, the Fayetteville uh, Regionals, I think it was, or no, the oh. Super Regional, um, for to to watch the the Razorbacks. Uh, somehow, NC State was able to was able yeah. to shut down the Razorbacks after getting absolutely crushed in Game One, and they booked their uh, their tickets to the College World Series. So Jim was Jim was have uh was basically uh had a had a week with the family, so uh we didn't have any survivor podcast this past week, but I'm not sure what the plans are for this upcoming week. Uh obviously once he if he tells me if we're gonna have a show or not, uh obviously blog talk uh the blog talk uh episode will get updated. At that, at at the certain time, whenever he tells me. Uh, but yeah, we do have a lot to cover tonight. I figured I would start out with uh, an update on the midfielder Christian Eriksen from from Denver, yes. who obviously we all remember he collapsed suddenly last week during a game against against Finland, and. According to the team's doctor, Morton Bozen, Christian Eriksen was quote-unquote gone before he was resuscitated after he suffered a cardiac arrest. And it is confirmed it was a cardiac arrest, apparently, uh, mm-hmm. that he suffered on the field. And he had to be, he had to be uh, resuscitated using CPR. Um, he what he was in stable condition after he was taken to a hospital in Copenhagen last Saturday. Uh, he has since been dispatched from from the hospital, so uh, he is still he's recovering. Uh, I don't know if he's recovering at home or if he's traveling with the team or what. But uh, yeah. the the doctor basically said he was gone and we did cardiac resuscitation. It was a cardiac arrest. How close were we to losing Erickson? I don't know. We got him back after one defibrillator, so that's quite fast. I'm not a cardiologist, so the details I will leave to the experts at the hospital. Yeah. Now, of course, the game did resume uh, later on that night, resulting in a 1-0 victory for, the, for uh, Finland with Erickson being named the star of the match, even though he, even though he, he didn't play after the 43rd minute when he ended up collapsing. Uh, the boss of Denmark, Kasper Hjolman, said that he thought it was wrong for the players to be asked if they wanted to continue the match following the incident. Yeah. Uh, he, said, he said, I know it's very difficult, but looking back, it was the wrong thing to make the decision between the two scenarios to the players in this case. Players were in a shocked condition, players who didn't really know yet if they had lost their best friend, and they have to decide between these two things, and I have a sense that we shouldn't have played. Uh, He also said, I know it's difficult. It's just a feeling I have. Maybe we should have just gone on to the bus and gone home, and and let's see what the next few days would have brought. 
That's just my feeling now, but I yeah. think it was a very, very tough decision that the players had to try to make a decision. I know it's difficult, but I have a sense that it was wrong for the players to have been given this situation. Now, let's get let's yeah. get your thoughts, Lou. You know, if you were one of the if you were one of his teammates, and you know you were basically forced to make a decision, you know, would you? Uh, would you want to continue playing or would we basically suspend play until, until future notice? What, what do you think you would have done if you were, I was, I was, I was suspended for at least uh, uh, two to three days, you know, just to see if he was going to be able to, to make it because he was clinically dead um, before he got the CPR. And I don't think that'd be the wise move to, to play the same day, knowing your teammate is in critical, almost like in a coma, I don't, I don't think my mind would be on the game. My mind would be on my teammate, who was nearly on his deathbed. So I would wait to see what would happen. I, I don't think I would yeah. want to play in that circumstance. Luckily for me, that uh, my set wasn't working at that time. Because if I was actually alive, I think I would have been like, oh, I can't, I can't even look at this. So. I mean, that's going to be completely devastating. Another thing we don't know, though, is was it, were they given the option, like, either you play, either you continue playing or you'll forfeit? Uh, was there the option that we would resume the game at a later date? We there don't was the option know that, exactly. I think. Okay. Cause, I think it was, yes. Because I, I was going to say, if, you know, if uh, – it, it, it would all depend on what the options they were given, because obviously, mm. you know, when they when they have these set schedules going on, you know, there's not really a lot of time in the schedule to really book extra things in. So it's entirely possible that they could have been given the option. Look, either you got to you got to continue play or you're going to have to forfeit the match. You know, we can't, we can't uh, put yourself, put you guys back in for another day, you know, to get to uh, finish this match out uh, on another day. But luckily, you know, they were able to finish it. Although they did, end, uh, Denmark did end up losing to Finland. Yeah. One uh, nil. Uh, it, did, it did say here that the UEFA said that both teams had held an emergency meeting before they decided to continue playing. Uh, Matthias Jensen replaced Ericsson in the lineup for the, re, for the resumption of, uh, of the game. Gilman said that the team spoke to Ericsson before resuming the game, adding that the midfielder was more focused on his teammates rather than himself. Uh, a quote as follows. Typically, Christian, he was concerned about us and, of course, his family. He said, I don't remember much, and I'm more concerned about you guys. How are you doing? Uh, which I guess is very typical of the, of the, type, of, uh, the type of person that uh, Erickson is. Um, yes. And obvi- uh, from, uh, from my understanding is that he's going to have uh, some sort of heart restarter, I guess. An ICD, or, no, yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, it's an internal pacemaker uh, yeah. put into his body. 
just just in case that something like this ever happens ever again. Hopefully but it won't. I, well, uh, yeah, obviously, hopefully it won't. But I think one of the one of the big questions that's come up is, will he ever play soccer again? I seriously doubt it. I mean, when you go through I mean, when you go through with a, a big a significant health scare like this, you know it's. It kind of, it, it, I mean, I, under, I understand being being a an athlete, you want to be out there, but at the same time, you got to uh, wonder what if this potentially happens again. Yeah. Then I think they had to look more clearly and say, you know what, we can't play this game now. You know, I think they got I think they got to be more cautious about that if it does ever happen again. Yeah, it's it's definitely. So it, 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 it says here that the defibrillator will be installed in to monitor and correct his heart rhythm. Yes. And he has officially returned home. So he, he, he isn't with his teammates anymore. No. Uh, but it, it does say that the defibrillator has been implanted to prevent future heart episodes. Uh, it's a combination pacemaker and defibrillator. The device, what it does is it tracks the person's heartbeat and it can send electrical impulses or electrical pulses to restore a normal rhythm as needed. Now, it doesn't say as to whether or not, you know, what his future is, but I would assume that, you know, he's probably going to be gone for if he returns at all, it probably won't be until near the end of the season. Yeah. If he if he even returns, that's the thing. Why is him to do so? Yeah, that's exactly that's the, that's the thing. I don't know exactly how wise it would be for somebody to return, especially after having just dealt with something with an, with an incident like this. Um, and actually it says here that uh, I believe they did play against Belgium too as well this past, uh, this past yes, Thursday. Yes, they did. And uh, Hulman did say players have different kinds of shocks and traumas and emotions. We will try to use the next couple of days as good as possible. I would try to get a feeling of the players. Maybe for some, the time is too short to be able to play football or soccer. They call it football for some reason over there. Uh, yes. Again, we will try to use it as a force to get even closer together and do our best in the next match. And I have a sense that we will really, we will be able to really get together and do our best uh, to try to reach normality in the training and do our best against Belgium. But, yeah, you know, when it, when it comes to Erickson, I I honestly I would be shocked if he plays again this year. Um, I do think though that maybe I I wouldn't say that his soccer career is over, but I think he he may potentially moving forward be very limited in what he's mm-hmm. able to do out on the field. Yeah. Like maybe perhaps 
I'm kind of wondering if maybe perhaps uh, a position switch might be in order to where he would become more of a defender as opposed to uh, as opposed to a midfielder. Hmm. Because I think that maybe. would kind of that would kind of potentially lessen the amount of ground he has to cover. Mm-hmm. Either that or depending on how good of a shot he is, he might actually become, uh, you know, he might become a, uh, what do they call it? A sniper. One of the, yes. uh, one of the two uh, attackers. That's what a sniper does. Or two, or two to, or two to three attackers that they usually have up front. Mm, yeah. uh, basically, he needs, if he does play soccer again, it has to be a position where he won't be having to stress his heart as much. Right. Essentially. But let's go into, into the NHL because there is just one thing from last night that is really picking at me. I don't know if you got to see Montreal and Vegas last night. Oh yeah, Montreal. I heard. With Montreal taking Montreal taking game two, uh, I believe it was a score of three to two in overtime. overtime. Yeah, and Montreal does lead the series two games to one right now. But one of the biggest things that's just been picking at me, and I, I know it, I know it doesn't really mean anything at this point because Montreal ended up going on to win anyways, but. Yeah, did you York. did you get to see did you get to see the game at all, Lou? Not all of it because I was concentrating, of course, on the basketball game. So I was going back and forth. But when the game was over, I did switch over to the hockey game. So I might have missed it. I don't know though. If you if you were in the third period, you might have seen it. Uh, there was a high stick that yes. uh, that was applied to Montreal's Corey Perry. That I heard. Cut, that cut him pretty badly. It caused him to, yes, bleed, yes. to bleed profusely right in front of the referee, and yet there was no call. But there yet, should have been. That is not a stupid move to make. It, 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 it shouldn't have just been a penalty. It should have been a four a four minute penalty, because if you're if you draw blood, that's a guaranteed double minor. Yes. But then again, you know, like I said, it doesn't really matter at this point because Montreal went on to win yeah. anyways. But it's that's just one of many missed calls that have that have taken place this playoffs. And it's I, I don't I don't know what it is if mm. may, maybe perhaps uh, who was that who was that one ref that there was that one ref. Uh, this past season, who got called out yes. for because because his, because his mic was still on and he talked about uh, the fact I that remember. Nashville that he needed to give Nashville this penalty. Yeah. Um, and you know I'm kind of wondering if maybe perhaps referees now are sort of relaxing their stance on what calls to make and what calls to not make because of the fact that, that uh, you know, that was, you know, that that ended up t- 
taking place? What is, I remember what you said. I well, remember what you said about Nashville, that, and that was that was we did that was just you know just a blatant remark that never should have been said. I mean, really. Yeah, but what what are your thoughts on on that last night, Lou? Because there was it, it you know it, it looked it looked like a very clear high stick, and it did. The fact that the fact that it drew blood and he even continued uh or he first off he actually yelled at the ref but then he even continued to to try and play and before obviously how could you, you know, try getting, to play uh, with blood coming down you can't do that you gotta get taken out well before before he ended up he did end up uh, getting checked out by medical but the thing is Good. the play should have been stopped. The play should have been stopped regardless. Absolutely. And instead, they allowed them to continue play. But I mean, what what gets me even more is is just the fact that it was done in the vision of referees. You know, and uh-huh. you know there was no call whatsoever. So what, it should have been. That, that had to be a call back. That was that was poor. That was poor thinking on their part. They should have called. They should have called something. Yeah, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Because, I mean, just 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 think about you know what. Uh, yeah. You know what? What if there are certain other calls that end up getting ignored? That could be very costly in the end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, how I mean, you get paid to, to, you? To, to officiate, and what you did was, you know, just, I mean, just, it was just done, done very poorly. Yeah. But how, how shocked are you, actually, that Montreal is currently leading Vegas in that series? I'm I'm very shocked. I'm actually shocked that Vegas beat Colorado anyway. Well, sort of. I mean, I mean, you know, because the Knights, you know, are very a very tough team. They're a very strong team, even though they haven't been in existence very long. So, um, you know, but I'm very surprised because Montreal, you know, um, I don't think has the same you know uh, type of offensive style as as Vegas. So I really thought this was going to be you know a fairly easy series, but Montreal. Who are, of course, a member of the original six, are showing uh, they have some life left in them. You know, I mean, I'm hoping for Vegas. Really, I mean, I don't, I don't like the Canadians. They, they've always been a dirty team. I never liked them growing up, so I would hate to see them, you know, get into the final. Yeah. Yeah, it is still kind of surprising, though, when you take a when you take a look at the at the two rosters, the fact that with so much with with so much more talent. On, on the side of Vegas, and for some reason, they're, they're just not able to match up with the uh, with the Canadians like they should be. Yeah. And, I mean, we didn't see uh, these I, two teams play each other, so it was it's really tough to tell, you know, who had the advantage, 
you know, going into this series, you know, this has been, you know, you know, a very unpredictable year, more unpredictable year and a half. So um, any anything could have happened, you know, with this with this series. Yeah, well, it's 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 obviously the one th- the one thing that we've uh, that I think mm-hmm. we can really take into consideration here is the, is a large part to their success has to be because of Carey Price. Yeah, with the experience yes, that he yes. has in that, but and also there was one really really dumb mistake by uh, Mark Andre Fleury in the third period last of night course. where. He yeah. tried. He tried. He 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 tried anticipating the puck going behind the net, and mm-hmm. for some reason he got he got out of the net, and it just allowed Josh Anderson to deposit it like it was nothing. Yeah. And that's what that's what essentially tied up the game with about a minute fifty five seconds to go. left yeah. to go. A minute and a half to yeah. go. Well, so, put it this way, uh, for Montreal, for Montreal, put it this way, the price is right. So, yeah, yeah, break the one for the record, it, please. Oh, yeah, I think I think I might just do that. Uh, and of course, Josh Anderson, he did also, he did also get his second of the game uh, in overtime to hmm. to uh, give the Canadians the three-two victory. Uh, you know, I I guess the big thing that's really surprising about this series so far is the fact mm-hmm. that Vegas just hasn't they they just haven't gotten uh, the offense from their top stars that they're mm-hmm. supposed to be getting. I mean, pr- pretty much. You know, Alex Petrangelo. The past two games has scored three goals for the Golden mm, Knights yes. off of their defense, and I don't know if maybe if maybe Vegas uh, is just too spent from their series against Colorado, but yeah, maybe I mean, just to, you know taking a, taking a look at at the goals that have been scored this series. Really, you could only say, you could really say that the only goal that has been scored by a potential top six, maybe top nine player, was Matthias Janmark. And I mean, he, he he was the guy that they got from Chicago, I think it was at the deadline. Yes, but other than that, most of their goals this series have been from defensemen. It's kind of surprising. Think about it, but yeah, you know Vegas—they really need to—they really need to kick it into gear at this point because yes. nobody was expecting the Montreal. You could technically say Montreal came into these playoffs as the lowest seed possible out of all the teams that qualified. So I'm aware of nobody was. Nobody was looking at Montreal as a potential a potential option, you know, no. to end up uh, to end up even being in the final four. And right now, they're two games away from the, or two wins away from making their first Stanley Cup final in how long? Twenty eight years. 
like prob- probably the Patrick Y years, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's astounding right now. I think it was Wad last that, year with the team, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Before before he ended up going to Colorado, I believe. Yes. And and right now in a crucial game, well, I consider it crucial uh, for the Islanders. The Islanders hold a one nothing lead over the Tampa Bay Lightning right now yes. in Game Four, with Tampa Bay leading their series two games to one. Uh. You know, the Islanders, they're another team that, you know, a lot of people were looking at were, were looking at this matchup and they were thinking that probably uh, Tampa Bay would get a bigger fight out of the Bruins as opposed to the yeah. Islanders. But, but looking at how the Islanders have played so far, they have really limited Tampa to how much they've been able to put out. In terms of offense, I mean, you have you have two to one, uh, game one, two to one for the Islanders, four to two for Tampa in yeah. game two, two to one for Tampa in game three. It, it's apart from game two, they they have really limited Tampa's uh, Tampa's offense so far in this series. Uh huh. And obviously, of course, with this being the final season that Nassau Coliseum uh, will be hosting games, uh-huh. you know, you kind of, you kind of have to be wondering. I know, I know that obviously, you know, some people think that, Oh, the leagues don't have a preference, blah, blah, blah. They don't have a preference of who ends up, uh, you know, they who ends do. up making, they, it's, it's obvious that they do. I mean, just t- just take a look at last night at last night's uh, game between Montreal and Vegas. The fact that that penalty wasn't called when a referee was clearly in the line in in the line of sight. I mean that pretty much that pretty much just tells you that you know a murder could get committed in front of that referee and he wouldn't see it. Yeah. Just go to YouTube. I mean, it's you know, it's just it's ridiculous what uh, you know in ter- in terms of what we've been seeing from from this series. But Anyways, what do you what do you think? Who, who do you think we're going to be looking at as our Stanley Cup matchup? Do you think it's going to end up being Vegas and uh, and Tampa Bay, or do you think we could get probably the uh, uh, the most surprising matchup and potentially have it be uh, the Canadiens and the Islanders? Could go either way, really. Um, I had actually um, the uh, Islanders taking on the Knights, to be honest. And don't look now, but the Islanders have scored on the goal, so it's 2 nothing. So don't count them out just yet. I mean, I, I, I didn't say I've been, I would be counting them out, you know, but uh, it is very surprising 
that yes, uh, that New York is putting up this much of a fight against Tampa. I mean, it because it, usually we're we're used to see we're used to seeing Tampa being such a high powered offense, and yes. the fact that right now they're currently having problems against New York. I mean, that's that's gonna that's just gonna spell problems for them moving forward. Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, myself, I think it's probably going to be the Lightning in Vegas. I just call me crazy, but I I just don't I like see that. even though this even though this Cinderella story is going on right now with uh, you know, with the Montreal Canadiens. If I know the Canadiens well, Price is some is Price is going to stumble at some point. He just is. It's, you know, it, it's it's pretty much a foregone conclusion. Every single time he's in the playoffs, there's always something that ends up going wrong for him. And so far, you know, he's pretty much been the the uh, Canadiens equivalent of Tim Thomas uh, back when Tim Thomas was mm. with the Bruins and standing on his head in 2011. Ugh, so, that'd be dangerous. Well, I mean, you know, he was, he was getting all of these, uh, all of these crucial saves at just the right moments. Yeah. Uh, when, when people, when people would look at him and just, and just think how the hell did he pull that off? And <laughs> lo and behold, you know, we're seeing that right now with Carey Price in this uh, in the, their series against Vegas. So, yes. let me put it this way: if Vegas does not come back in this series, I think anything goes in the Stanley Cup Final. Oh yeah. I think it's entire. I think it's entirely possible that the Canadiens could pull it off if they make the uh, if they make the final at this point. Yeah, I think so. Uh, we do have some award uh, announcements. Rod Brindamore, the uh, former, I believe he won a cup. Correct me if I'm wrong. As a player, yes, didn't yes, he yes. with the with the Hurricanes? Yes. Yeah, he won a cup with the Hurricanes, and now he is the newest winner of the Jack Adams Award, or basically the NHL Coach of the Year. Um, right. He led he led the Hurricanes this year to a 36-12 and 8 record, and went. Of course, they also won the Central Division title over teams like the Florida Panthers, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, they also had the the best points percentage in franchise history at 71.4 percent of their games, getting at least a point. Uh, and he also on. Thursday, he signed a three-year contract extension as well with the Hurricanes. Uh, he beat out Minnesota's Dean Evason and Florida's Joel Quenville, who a lot of people know from the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, yes. With, with those two being the other finalists for the award. Uh, also, 
Uh, Jacob Slavin. Jacob Slavin was just announced as the winner of the Lady Bing Memorial Trophy, uh, which is pretty yes. rare for a defenseman to take the Lady Bing, which goes to the player judged to combine sportsmanship and gentlemanly conduct with a high standard of playing ability. And actually the last blue liner to take this award uh, was Brian Campbell in uh, the, tw- the 2011-2012 season. And before, before him, a defenseman hadn't won it since Red Kelly did in 1953-1954. Now, Slavin this year, he had three goals, 15 points, and just two penalty minutes uh, for the Hurricanes. Toronto's Austin Matthews and Minnesota's Jared Spurgeon were the other finalists. Now, with, with Carolina seemingly having so much success individually and, and actually as a team, during the regular season, Lou, it kind of makes you wonder what the hell happened in the playoffs that that caused them to get bounced as early as they did. Yeah, I was thinking that. I mean, what, are, what are your thoughts? I was, I was, I was thinking that, that too as well. Because, I mean, who did, they, who did they end up facing, actually? I think it was... They beat Nashville, and then, okay, yeah, yeah, they lost to Tampa Bay. That's why. They lost to Tampa Bay in the second round, uh, which then they would have gone on to face the Islanders instead of Tampa had they they beat Tampa. So, okay, I I guess it kind of makes sense why uh, they were eliminated in the second round. But, um, I mean, hell, you got – you know, you got the coach of the year and you got the, uh, I guess, the gentlemanly player of the year, if you want to call it that. Yes. Yeah, very rare. And only, only five players have done that. Yeah, it's very it's it's very rare. Uh, now, five players, you mean five defensemen specifically? Uh, no, I, uh, just a fifth player overall. Oh, okay. Now, we do have one other thing here. Uh, Montreal's head coach, Dominique Ducharme, he has yes. tested positive for COVID-19. Positive. Uh, he, was, mm. he was not behind the bench last night. Last night, actually, was Luke Richard, uh, assistant coach Luke Richardson's first NHL victory as a head yes. coach. And... From what it sounds like, it sounds like Ducharme will have to stay isolated for 14 days. So, even though he did have his second shot, he didn't have he didn't get his second shot in the time frame uh, that they're supposed to get it. So, um, he will officially miss the entire rest of the Stanley Cup semifinals for the rest of this round. So that. I, I mean that that will just add even to an, an even more impressive uh, record this off season or this postseason if Montreal is able to advance without yes. their head coach. And if anything, this could actually be a pretty big tryout 
for Luke Richardson. Because if he's able to lead Montreal to the Stanley Cup Finals, you got to think that there, he's probably going to be uh, be sought after by uh, by some teams that may be in need of a head coach. Because obviously, one of the big things that co- that that teams look for is playoff success. Yes when it comes to their head coaches. So I think that's definitely something uh, to look at moving forward here when it comes to, when it comes, when it comes to this playoff series here. And speaking of coaches, uh, Gerard Gallant, the former Vegas Golden Knights head coach, has been named the next head coach of the New York Rangers, according yes. to Larry Brooks of the New York Post, who was the first one to report on the uh, on the hire. And TSN's Pierre Lebrun has since confirmed the move of, uh, per one of his sources. It's believed to be a four-year deal for Gallant, um, and he just recently actually coached Team Canada to a gold medal at the 2021 Men's World yes. Championship. So, Lou, I, I I know you follow the uh, the Rangers yes. a little bit. Um, I gotta believe that the reaction to this news has been pretty positive. So far, yes. Now let's see what we can do. I mean, I mean, last year I was thinking that, you know, they were going to do better. We got the number one draft pick and everything, and it didn't go quite as planned. So, you know, I think now it's changing because the guard and the coaching uh, realm uh, is, is overdue, and hopefully he'll bring us, you know, a better season, which we were hoping for, you know, uh, last season. That, that didn't go anywhere. So I'm hoping this is going to be a positive turnaround because we can sure use it. Yeah, now he do, he has had success uh, when it comes to coaching. I mean, apart from his early coaching days when he was the head coach of Columbus for three years, uh, didn't go so well. He had a record of fifty-six and seventy-six, or no, fifty-six, seventy-six, four and six before he was fired uh, just fifteen games into his third season back in two thousand six, two thousand seven. Then he got a head coaching spot with the Florida Panthers in 2014, where he got fired uh, just 22 games into his third season there, where he amassed a 96-65-25 and 25 record for the Florida Panthers. He did lead them to the playoffs one of those years, though. Uh, and then, obviously, of course, he was immediately tasked with taking – an expansion team like Vegas and trying to get all of these players to, you know, to work together despite having never played with each other, um, especially in Vegas's first year. And then he takes Vegas to the Stanley cup finals where they then of course lost to Washington. Uh, Then, they lost yeah. in the first round the very next year to San Jose, and he was fired midway through his third season with Vegas, mm-hmm. 
uh, despite having a 24-19-6 record. And throughout his three seasons with Vegas, he had a 118-75-20 record, uh, which honestly, I'm, I still believe he shouldn't have been fired from Vegas, especially no. considering uh, his track record and what he was able to do in his first two seasons. I mean, I guess maybe they looked at the fact that they were bounced early in his second season as as a bit of a step back because, okay, you guys had, you guys had just made the finals the previous year. And... I, you know, I guess they were expecting uh, them to end up yeah. winning the cup in his second season, which obviously yeah, didn't we all, happen. But yeah. you know, it's it's got to be encouraging though that the Rangers are bringing in somebody who has significant experience as a head coach. Yes. So I think I think it's definitely, and plus uh, through his three playoff appearances uh, through uh, through two teams. He has an 18 and 15 record in the playoffs. So there is somewhat of a uh, of playoff experience, you could put it that way. Yeah. And not just that, but the Rangers, apparently, they may be making even more noise because they have now inserted themselves into trade discussions involving disgruntled Buffalo center Jack Eichel. Hmm. Uh, As reports are... The whole team is a mess. The whole team is a mess, but the player is top-notch. Because apparently it's it's been reported that trade discussions uh, for Jack Eichel have been getting more serious uh, in recent in recent uh, recent days, and the Rangers have been the latest team to throw their name in the hat for the uh, the disgruntled 24 year old star uh, out of Buffalo, and. He does come with term too. He still has five years and fifty million dollars left on his deal, which is, I mean, honestly, for a player like him, kind of affordable, I think. Especially if you're if you're a team like New York who's looking to who's looking to rebuild on the fly, while at the same time hoping to you know hoping to contend. You bring in Jack Eichel, and that offense immediately skyrockets. I mean, I know you take a look at his at his stats from last year: two goals and sixteen assists through twenty-one yeah. games. But keep in mind that entire team was a dumpster fire to begin with. Yes. But you take a look at the previous season, and the previous season before the league was shut down due to COVID, uh, he had 36 goals and 42 assists. So he is capable. Yeah, he. Well, he. The thing is, he is capable of putting up near 80 points, 82 points a season. Uh So, I definitely think. Well, first off, I think with the uh, obviously with the new management that the Rangers are going to have, uh, 
they're probably going to look to make an impact immediately as, as quickly as they can. And honestly, that's probably the one thing that they could do is is go in and and grab uh, grab Jack Eichel. Which, considering the recent moves that they've made in terms of players, they probably do have the assets to get him. Yeah. I mean, what are your what are your thoughts, Lou? Because. Uh, not only are the Rangers involved, but also they name the Kings, the Wild, the Ducks, the Blue Jackets, and the sure. uh, and the Philadelphia Flyers as also potential destinations for Jack Eichel. Hmm. That's, a, that's a pretty long list. I guess it's going to depend on who's going to give Eichel the bigger offer. I mean, Rangers. I mean, Rangers can use him. But uh, it's really tough to call the Flyers. Ugh. I don't know if you want to send to Detroit because Detroit has been coming under fire for years, and I don't think Idol is going to be able to save him. But he's got to come down to money to find out where he's going to go. I'm hoping he can get to the Rangers. Maybe they can sharpen up their offense a bit. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to look at it that way. Of course, I doubt oh, yeah. it's going to happen uh, because every time I make a prediction, it doesn't come through anyway. Yeah, but I mean, I'll tell I'll tell you this much: with with the type of player that Eichel is, if you surround him with, I mean, put put it this way: if you, if you have him yeah. on that top line with Capo Caco, and uh, oh. and with Artemi Panarin, and with Artemi Panarin, you're you're looking at potentially one of the top first lines in the NHL, potentially. Yes. That is, if Eichel can get back to, if he can, if he can just basically ignore this past season, uh, and just, just chalk it up to, it, it's it's entirely possible that, you know, yeah. Eichel maybe just didn't give a shit. Maybe he just didn't give a shit about playing in uh, about playing in Buffalo and wanted to leave. I mean, you saw what happened when Taylor Hall, uh, when Taylor Hall got traded to Boston. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. he was playing. He was playing. Uh, he he was back to the old Taylor Hall, basically. Yeah, the Devils lost Boston's game. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's another thing, actually, about Taylor Hall is it sounds like from his exit interviews that he did with the Boston media, it kind of yeah. sounds like maybe per- maybe perhaps money isn't much of an issue. Uh, in potential extension talks, so I think it's possible that we could end up seeing Taylor Hall stick around in Boston for a couple of years. Because yeah. I think I think at this point, with him having become a journeyman in recent years, he's kind of sick and tired of of moving around multiple teams. Yeah. All right, now this last topic, before we move on to basketball, this last topic I want to bring up here was just reported a couple of days ago by the New York Post. Uh, the And apparently the Chicago Blackhawks front office is apparently being accused by former players of turning a blind eye to sexual assault. To sexual assault. Uh. As... 
Apparently, back in May, two former players filed sexual assault allegations against a former Blackhawks coach uh, who was part of the, I think he was their video coach or something, Uh, their video analysis or something like that. And these players are claiming that the front office knew about the allegations and did nothing about them because the players informed uh, the skills coach at the time, who was Paul Vincent, about multiple incidents involving video coach Brad Aldrich. Uh, Vincent then reached out to the franchise's president at the time, who was John McDonough. Uh, the players also contacted Vice President of Hockey Operations Al McIsaac, uh, as well as General Manager Stan Bowman and Team Sports Psychologist James Gary about the accusations. And they all they say that all of them failed to step forward and alert law enforcement of the allegations. Uh, one of the former players claimed that Aldrich sent inappropriate text messages and threatened him physically, financially, and emotionally if he did not engage in sexual activity. Uh, one specific incident involved Aldrich turning on porn and apparently beginning to masturbate in front of the player without his consent. Mm. And... And the video, the video coach apparently convinced the player that the situation was his fault after the incident. And after, here's where, here's where things take a turn here, because after his stint with the Blackhawks, Aldrich became a coach for a Michigan high school hockey team. There, yeah. he was convicted of criminal sexual conduct with a 17-year-old player in 2013, spending nine months in prison and five years of probation, and he is currently a registered sex offender. And the fact that the the Blackhawks apparently knew that this guy was like this when he was, uh, what's it called, when he was employed by them. And now, basically, Uh, The former players are accusing the front office of being liable for allowing Aldrich to not just continue to keep his job with the, with the Blackhawks for the time that he spent, but also for allowing him to even be able to get a job at the high school that he ended up going to in Michigan. As the Blackhawks were the reference that Aldrich put down in his application to the school. Uh, the Blackhawks did decline comment about the new findings because the case was ongoing, but they did release a statement regarding the original investigation saying that the Chicago Blackhawks take the allegations asserted by a former player very seriously. Uh, Based on our investigation, we believe the allegations against the organization lack merit, and we are confident the team will be absolved of any wrongdoing. Now, Here's the thing that that kind of kind of bugs me about this is the fact that you have former players that are coming forward with this stuff, and the yeah. guy the guy was was officially arrested back in 2013 for doing similar things with somebody even younger. 
and also coincidentally having to do with hockey as well. And do you mean to tell me that you guys had no idea that this was going on in your organization? I find it hard to believe. I mean, just the fact that you're not even that you're not even going to believe former players of your franchise, you know, it kind of makes it kind of makes you wonder: are are any other players going to ever be able to, uh, you know, gonna gonna ever be able to um, to come forward with anything to you guys? You know? Yeah. It kind of, I think, in, in, in all honesty, it, it, it kind of ruins the reputation of the Blackhawks here. Oh, it's shot to hell now. I mean, what, what are your thoughts about this, Lou? I mean, it's, would, would former players really lie about this? No, no, I don't think so. I think there was there would, that would uh, tell the truth on it. You know, these are former players we're talking about here, and and they knew what was going on. So I would think they wouldn't. I don't think they would cover up. So now, apparently, the Blackhawks have filed to dismiss the lawsuit. Um, mm-hmm. As it said, that arguing that the that the sexual harassment claims that the that the player had made fall under other legal remedies that he didn't exhaust and that the clock ran out on the statute of limitations. And Uh this player, um, some more information about this, this player is actually a member of the Stanley Cup winning team that year. Heavens. So... I don't know. You know, it's it, this this whole case is really weird in general because yes. you know they're claiming that for, first off, apparently there was a two-year statute of limitations on any personal injury claim. But I don't know if you could even call this personal injury. Uh, no, I don't think I would. No. I mean, it's psychological, if anything, but I, I wouldn't say it's it's a personal injury claim. But anyways, uh, yeah. right now they've basically they've they've basically uh, filed a motion to to try and dismiss the case, and we don't know right now, obviously, what's what the latest has been with that. Uh, what I can say, though, yeah. is the New York Islanders, their lead is now up to three on a goal by Matt Martin yep. uh, late in the second period here off of a uh, off of assists from Cal Clutterbuck and Adam Pellick. Uh, the other Islander goals come from Josh Bailey and Matthew Barzell as well. On uh, Barzell's was on the power play. So, it's really it's really weird right now. It, it it looks like Tampa just has nothing for the Islanders this uh for in tonight's game. So no, they uh, seem to be flat. Yeah, I think it's it's gonna get a, it's gonna be a very interesting remainder of this series. If Tampa if Tampa can't come oh, back yeah. in uh in this game, it's gonna be a very interesting rest of this series. 
And actually, speaking of interesting, uh, Brooklyn's lead is now down to just one over the Milwaukee Bucks as they've been trading baskets uh, this entire third quarter. Oh, actually, no, yeah, Milwaukee's lead is now up to – Milwaukee now takes the lead, a two-point lead, uh, with about five minutes to go in the third. I mean, they've just been trading baskets left and right this quarter so far. Yeah. I mean, think about this, Lou. Milwaukee, technically, this series should have been done. Here you had Brooklyn. Here you had Brooklyn – without Kyrie or no, without James Harden, or they had a very limited James Harden because of his injury. And now you have Kyrie Irving who suffers an ankle injury similar to the one that kept LeBron James out for, uh, for about a month or so. And by the way, it is, it, it obviously it was confirmed that he wouldn't play in game seven uh, tonight. Right. And Milwaukee had, I think it was a 17-point lead over Brooklyn. Yes. And they blew it. Mm-hmm. They sure. blew it in game five. They had a, was it game? Yeah, five, it must yes. have been game five. Yeah, they had a 17-point lead, and they blew it, allowing Brooklyn to take, the, to take the win and the series lead. Obviously, of course, Milwaukee then tied it up uh, a couple nights ago in game six, I mean, th- technically this series should have been over with already. And now, uh, you know, the end of, depending on what happens here, this could be a very interesting, uh, there could be very interesting uh, consequences for what happens in this series. You could kind of argue that if the Bucks lose this series, we could see the firing of, of coach Mike Budenholzer. Because of how he's co- because of how he's coached this series. So on the bulldozer? flip side, though, yeah, yeah, you call him bulldozer. Uh, I call him bulldozer. But uh, Buden Budenholzer, obviously, who is who is most known for his time with the Atlanta Hawks, um, yeah. you know. He, he could be another coach added to this coaching carousel that we're seeing this off season, uh, right. based off of how based off of how he's essentially wasted, you could say, the past couple of seasons uh, in yes. Milwaukee. And this could be, depending on if they lose tonight, this could be another one of those uh, another one of those seasons. However, if you flip it no over, doubt it. if you flip it over here, what if Brooklyn loses? You have a team that has gone all in with with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. They gave up a ton to get James Harden. Yes. And now you're basically, uh, you know, this is basically going to be one deal that or, or one year that's already going to be wasted if they end up losing tonight's game because. You ha- you have Brooklyn, who is penciled in by many as the favorites to win the NBA Finals this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, is it entirely possible that if Brooklyn does not win this game, or I should say if they don't win a title this year, that 
it, it's entirely possible. Maybe perhaps they won't even win a title with this big three. Very possible. So, uh, you know, we're just hoping they can they can win it. Because, if, you know, this is, if it goes like this, I think this, you know, I believe this is their best chance to win a title. I agree. I think this I think this is definitely their best their best opportunity uh this year to win a title because I mean we saw it with um you know we saw it with with Cleveland uh when or actually no we saw it with Miami although it Miami was completely different because you know that was back when LeBron was of course a couple of years younger and you had Dwayne Wade who was still in somewhat of the prime of his career and obviously Chris, Chris Bosch before all of the, uh, before all of the issues with the, uh, with the blood clots, uh, you know, usually when you form a big three, you want to try and maximize as much as you can right out the gate. Absolutely. So, I mean, it would be pretty disappointing if they get eliminated in the semifinals especially considering all the talent that you have. This, honestly, with, with, with as much firepower as you have in this big three, this could be one of the most dominating big – it has the potential to be one of the most dominating big threes in recent memory. I mean, obviously, you have the likes of Pierce, Garnett, and Allen, uh, you know, LeBron, Bosh, and Wade – but honestly, you take a look at Durant, Irving, and Harden, and the fact that any one of these three can take yes. over a game in an instant. You know, it's yeah, they were okay. it, it, there's way too much firepower with this group that, I mean, obviously if they lose, this is going to be a year wasted, essentially. And considering all of the all of the assets that Brooklyn had to give up, you know, in order to acquire Harden, right. and actually, I believe I might be wrong, but I believe Irving and Durant are free agents next year. They are. So, you know, that's another that's another thing to throw in there. You know, they they went to Brooklyn. With uh, and by the way, there was a new book that just came out. Uh, this was just revealed a couple of days ago, like two days ago, uh, that a book just came out that talked about how Irving was apparently planning uh, this super team with Durant a month before they even talked about it at the All Star game when Irving was still with the Celtics. So, you know, Irving was made out to be the bad guy when he was yeah. discussing it, when, when that picture went viral of him uh, outside of the locker room talking with Durant. But apparently this was already discussed a month before they even met at the All-Star game because Durant went, uh, paid a visit to him uh, at his Massachusetts home. So, you know, this whole big three Super team scenario was was discussed for quite some time, and yes, you know it, it's it kind of makes you wonder if you can't get a title in these next two in this year or next year, 
you know, Brooklyn faces the possibility of potentially losing either Irving or Durant or possibly both. That's what I was going to say. Because they may feel I – mean, because they may feel they have a better opportunity, they have a better chance of winning a championship elsewhere. Yeah, I would think if they don't do it this year, I think they, I think it's going to be uh, forget it. Yeah, and plus, uh, there's a big possibility that Brooklyn may may lose one of their top assistant coaches uh, mm. in Udoka. As he apparently oh, yeah, has Nidoka, right. been, yeah, he's apparently been asked back by the Boston Celtics for a second interview, and apparently he has been uh, he he has had uh, many recommendations by current Celtics players who played under I've him I've heard uh, in the uh, in the Olympics. So, or not Olympics, or, or what's it the? It, it was either the Olympics or it was, uh, or it was FIBA, whatever, uh, whatever the last basketball tournament that they had was. Yes. The FIBA, the FIBA World Cup, I think it might have been. Uh, but anyways, you know, Udoka, he was one of, uh, he was one of the assistant coaches on that squad for Team USA, and. Not to mention he is a he is a uh, NBA title winning coach, having been on Greg Popovich's staff the last time that the San Antonio Spurs won an NBA title. So, you know that's a potential big name that Brooklyn may lose this off season uh, if the Boston Celtics decide to go in that direction. So that I, you know this window. That's why winning tonight is very, very crucial. I mean, first off, if they don't win, yeah. they would get eliminated. But, you know, right. that just means if, if they lose tonight, that means that that window is closing. All right, but uh, speaking of the Celtics, let's talk about the big move that was made by Brad oh, Stevens yeah. in his first his first move as president of basketball operations for the Celtics, as he shipped out Kemba Walker along with the number 16 pick and a 2025 second round pick uh, to the Oklahoma city thunder. Good God. Has this been a year for Sam Presti as GM of the Oklahoma city thunder Uh, in exchange, in exchange for Al Horford, Moses Brown and a 2023 second round pick. And with this deal, uh, over the next seven drafts, Oklahoma City now has 36 picks. For anybody, 36? For anybody doing the ma- 36 picks. For anybody doing wow. the math, that's pretty much about five picks with each, within each of the next seven drafts. 18 first-round picks and 18 second-round picks. So if Oklahoma City ever wants to make big moves in the trade market, they have all of the ammunition they they would ever uh, need, basically. Now, a lot of people are wondering – well, why would the Celtics make this type of move? 
because Kemba, you know, he he's been he he's been their starting point guard the past two years. Uh, yeah. He he is injury prone. Obviously, that's one of the big reasons why they would make this deal, uh, and also the fact that Danny Ainge was trying to trade him last off season as well. Uh, with teams knowing full well that he was injured. Uh, but, you know, people wonder why would they make this move? Well, here's the big thing that I take from this. Number one, this move this offseason saves them $9 million against the cap. And next offseason, it saves them $34.1 million against the cap. That means that puts them in the running for a potential big star. Yeah, to sign to sign in the off season, like say maybe I don't know Jason Tatum's best buddy Bradley Beal, mm-hmm. perhaps. Yeah. Uh, not just not just that, but it it gives uh, this deal also gives them a significant upgrade, I believe at least, uh, in the front court with. Uh, Al Horford coming back, and obviously uh, he he also brings in veteran uh, veteran leadership that he had brought previously with the Celtics before he ended up signing with Philly. Uh, they also bring in the seven foot two center who went undrafted in 2019, Moses Brown, who all of a sudden uh, burst out this year with Oklahoma City, averaging about 8.6 points and 8.9 rebounds in 21.4 minutes a night, going along with 1.1 blocks. Now, that may not seem like a lot, but keep in mind, this is, no, this is normal, you know, these are normal numbers that you would get out of a center. Yes. And let, let me just, let me just paint, paint a little bit of a picture here. Uh, in one of the right. Oklahoma City Thunders games this year, against the Celtics in the first half, this kid, 21 years old, might I add, this kid had 19 rebounds in the first half. Wow. Not in the whole game, in a half. And wow. this kid went undrafted. I know a lot of people. I don't get it at all. People, I don't get it. A lot of people think that uh, the Celtics didn't get enough in this trade. I honestly uh-huh. think when you when when you when you take a look at the when you take a look at the deal as a whole. I mean, obviously, you know, the second round picks they they cancel each other out. The Kemba Walker and Al Horford contracts they cancel each other out. I mean, Horford. He pretty much averaged last year the same amount, the same, uh, the same production that he gave the Celtics for three years. So, you know, in from what I'm, from what I'm seeing, they're pretty much getting the same Al Horford back that they had when he left. Uh, so that's not much of a big deal. But this trade ultimately boils down to you're trading basically the number 16 pick for Moses Brown a 7-2 center who, unlike Taco Fall, who's like 7'7", is actually very athletic. 
And it also probably means the end of Taco Fall in Boston as well. But, I mean, not much of a loss. Taco didn't really do anything while he was here. Uh, no. This also, to me, it, it, it just screams that the Celtics are not sure about the health of Robert Williams, their starting, uh, their starting center. And this is basically insurance for Robert Williams. In case his health ends up failing him again, they can just simply slot in Moses Brown. I think this also tells me that Tristan Thompson is probably moving soon. I don't know what team he'll go to, but I think I think he is probably getting shipped out very soon. Because uh, that's probably one of the big signings that Ainge really wrapped his hat around uh, this past season that completely bombed yeah. during his time in Boston this year. Uh, now, obviously, yeah. you know, Shai Gilgis-Alexander is the point guard of the future for Oklahoma City, and actually the point guard now, I should say. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like, though, that he may shift over to shooting guard, giving Kemba the spot at point guard, which does provide the Thunder with an upgrade to their to their uh, to their starting five. Um, although there is also a chance that you know they may potentially move Kemba in the uh, after getting this deal, considering the fact that Oklahoma City is wanting to do a youth movement. And obviously, of course, Kemba, you know, isn't isn't getting any younger, basically. Neither am I. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's entirely possible that they could flip Kemba and potentially get a first round pick back for him, hmm. which would just add on to their stockpile that they already have. Um, but yeah, you know this. Ultimately, I consider it a win for Boston because I consider it a win for both teams, but in particular for Boston because it frees up uh, financial flexibility for them. It gives them back Al Horford, who one of the biggest things that he brought to this team was the fact that the Celtics were able to stretch the floor with him out there and, you know, providing for – uh, much more open opportunities for certain players. And obviously, you know, once he left and once Isaiah Thomas left, you know, this team pretty much went downhill when it came to, uh, when it came to open opportunities, essentially, out there on the court. But with Horford coming back, you know, that's going to allow the Celtics to go back to the type of style that they that they had played through uh before the likes of Kyrie Irving and and Gordon Hayward had come to town. Right. And from all indications it sounds like this isn't the only move that Brad Stevens is gonna make here. Yeah, I so didn't think so. It's entirely yeah, it's entirely possible that we may be seeing uh, a follow-up move 
within the coming the coming weeks after this. So what what are your thoughts on this, oh. on this big this big trade, Lou? That uh, that had randomly popped up yesterday at around nine yeah, o'clock. Honestly, I didn't see this coming. To be honest, you didn't no, say you did you. Did you think did you think that Boston was gonna was gonna hang on to Kemba? I really did. To be honest, I, I did. I thought you know Kemba was their was their star. He was gonna stick around. Boy, was I certainly fooled. And you know this isn't. Uh, I'll, I'll just I'll say this. Uh, you know you can't really put anything on Kemba uh, when it comes to his time in Boston, you know, you can't really blame him for, for, you know, his time and his short time in Boston, because apparently the organization itself has been in flux for years. And right. Honestly, probably ever since they got rid of Isaiah Thomas, it started basically Uh a complete downhill slope. Uh, yeah. But you know Kemba, he was a two-time All-Star with Boston, yeah. And you know he definitely, I, I, you know, a lot of people say that this was a bad contract. I don't think it was a bad contract. I mean, okay, maybe because maybe you could consider it a bad contract because Kemba couldn't stay healthy. But right. When you take a look at his numbers that he put up. You know, his first season, he averaged 20 points a game. Uh, this past year, he averaged 19 points a game. So, you know, it was – I mean, he did play less minutes, but that's more due to the fact of, of how Boston runs their system. You know, obviously, yeah. he wasn't, he, he wasn't going to make as many minutes as he would with Charlotte, considering he was, he was the man in Charlotte, essentially. So – you know, you weren't going to see those same minutes being applied to him in the starting lineup in Boston. Um, but, you know, it's just – things just didn't work out, basically, with Kemba in Boston. Pretty much. And, no. you know, it's – you can't really blame Kemba. You can't really blame Boston. It's just things no. just – there are some – there are some uh, instances that that things just don't work out, and this was one of those things. Yeah, no point playing the blame game. Basically, uh, but the if Oklahoma City hangs on to him, I think it's I think he he is going to provide uh, a big boost to their top, to their top five or to their starting five, I should say, especially if Gilgis Alexander moves over to moves over to shooting guard. But honestly, considering the type of team that Oklahoma City is, I think I think it's entirely possible that Kemba they may just move on from Kemba. Yeah. And that they may they may try to get, you know, another first round pick for him, potentially. And this is a very, very close game right now. 89-88, yeah. Brooklyn by one. Yeah, and not only that, but uh, 
It's now 3-2, Islanders over Tampa Bay. Oh, boy. Ooh, Ooh, boy. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Yeah, that is uh, – I would be very worried if I was uh, – if I were Islander fans because you kind of saw the yeah. same thing with the Islanders letting Boston – back into uh back into certain games. You yeah, know, that's, what the hell? I mean, obvi- obviously with Tampa it's different, you know, Tampa has a more all-around offense compared to yeah. Boston who only had who only had their top two lines working. But yeah, that's Now, uh, I got a question for you. Uh just okay. getting back to getting back to the NBA for a minute. Um now you've noticed that over the past few games, I mean they have it's been, you know, like a tale of two uh two halves or whatever. I mean the first half, you know, it's like you build up this insurmountable lead of uh eighteen points, twenty, twenty four points, whatever, only to go and lose it. I mean, I just don't I just don't get I don't think I've ever seen, you know, in so many playoff series that where you build up twenty point leads and collapse at the end. Why do you think why do you think this isn't happening? You know, part of me thinks that they're, that when teams get to such a, a gigantic lead that they yeah. let their foot off of the accelerator a little bit. Because, oh, I mean, I we've, seen it, we've seen it in multiple instances. You know, there was uh, – actually, we've seen it in the NHL, too. You know, the NHL, uh, there have been instances where teams get ahead by so much, and you know you don't really see you don't really see the same type of urgency that you would have seen earlier on in the game. And you know it's entirely possible too that when it comes to the NBA, you know considering the unpredictability of how shots are going to fall, it's entirely possible you know that teams just weren't getting the shots to fall. Uh, I mean, because the Nets were getting, like you said, that that really the game should have been over, the series should have been over on Thursday because uh, the Bucks had a 17-point lead midway through the third quarter. And then after that, uh, I don't know what happened, but the wheels just came right off and the Nets were able to take advantage of it. Yeah, it is very weird when you think about it. That um, Yeah. You know that for for some reason, you know these teams just can't just just can't get a hold of uh, they can't keep their foot on the gas pedal basically. But I, I guess maybe I mean, because maybe it's because there's sometimes sometimes there's some thought, there's some backlash to running up the score. I guess if you want to put yeah, it that right. way. You know, that some teams, uh, I mean, honestly, I feel it's different because if you're in the playoffs, you know, I don't care if you run up the score. If you're in the playoffs, you're playing to, you know, to win the game. You're, you don't want to, you you know, you don't want, you don't want to give your opponent any opportunity to come back in the, in, in the game or in the series. So if I was in the playoffs, you know, and and my team is, and and my team is ahead by, uh, by a certain amount. Yeah. Run up the score. But uh, you know, this was this was one thing that kind of confused me. Was in Game Six, the Bucks were up by like I want to say 15, and it was about six minutes left, maybe. And for some reason, yes. Steve Nash, 
for some reason, Steve Nash kept Durant and and uh, Harden out there, even though even though it looked like that the Nets didn't really have a shot at coming back in the game. So that, that's another thing that that confuses me about some of these some of these uh, coaching decisions is why the hell if the game is out of reach. I mean, once again, I understand it's the playoffs, but wouldn't you want? Yeah your star players to get rested for that decisive game seven? I would. Why would you leave your star players in there, especially with Harden, who's dealing with an injury? Uh, you know, he's not playing at 100%. Why would you leave your star players in there risking the possibility of them potentially uh, either further aggravating the injury or re-aggravating? Because oh, like that's exactly what happened. One. I think this might be an and one, uh, an and one dunk here. Because they were celebrating. They were celebrating. Yeah. I, I can't see the score update, but uh, Antetokounmpo to the rim. And no, actually, the 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 foul was called. I guess before the uh, before the act of shooting. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, they've said before that the NBA is a, is a game of runs, you know, uh, there could be, there could be one instance where a team goes, uh, where a team goes on a, on a huge run and, you know, you think the game is out of reach like last night with, uh, LA going down by as much as 25 points. Uh, to end the half. They found a way to lose. Nope, they found a way to win. Well, I meant the Jazz. They found a way to lose. Oh yeah, yeah, the Jazz. Yeah, they found a way. To, they found a way to lose. Uh, the Clippers, for the first time in their 50-year franchise history, have finally gone to the Western Conference Finals, and they they outscored their they outscored. Uh, I believe it was. 81 to 40 something, I think. 75 to 40 in the, in the half. Oh, okay, 75 to 40. Why, why did I think it was? I guess I guess ESPN must have had the wrong numbers yesterday because uh, I could have sworn I had seen it was like 81. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it basketball is is basically a game of uh, a game of runs. Yeah, but you know, it, 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 respect, or they're still going to be considered the ugly stepchild of the Lakers. No, I think this will be. I think if anything, the respect is going to Ty Lue, because one of the big things about Ty Lue uh, during his time with the with the Cavaliers was everybody thought that Ty Lue isn't really a coach. You know, it, LeBron was basically yeah. doing all the coaching. That's but, the problem. That's the problem with LeBron. The I mean, is, you know, he says, you know, he's just a player, and you know, he thinks he's more than that. He thinks he's the he he made the uh, coach, general manager, and team, um, and any of the other title. But he's just a player. But he, you know, with him having the biggest ego in the league, uh, you know, he thinks he's you know he thinks he's everything. He thinks he's you know everything in the NBA, but he's not. Yeah, you know, and 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 it's 
I mean, part of that ego comes from if the team, from how much power the team actually gives him. Like, you yeah. could argue, you could argue that throughout all of his time in Cleveland, the players that they acquired were from who LeBron wanted. You know, when they brought back Matthew Dellavedova, for example, when they brought him back, Dellavedova. it's because LeBron, it's because LeBron wanted him back. And the same thing with J.R. Smith. Right. When they brought back J, when they brought back J.R. Smith, it's because LeBron wanted him back. Yes. It, you know, then you you ended up seeing J.R. Uh, for example, with the Lakers when they won last year, Jr. signed for the veteran minimum because LeBron wanted uh, LeBron wanted him back. Exactly. So, a lot of it has to do with, you know, obviously if you're a player uh, like LeBron, who, and oh my God, does Antetokounmpo suck at the free throw line? Uh, but, you know, when for us, well, yeah, but I mean, that's like the second free throw that he, that he's missed so far tonight that didn't even hit the rim. Um, Ah. you know, when, when you're a player like LeBron and when you have a player like LeBron and, and with the accolades that he has had, you know, then, okay, you know, maybe he has the right to have that sort of ego. Yeah. Oh, what a dunk. Durant puts the – Durant extends the lead to four, and it looks like could that be an and one, I think? Because it looks like there was contact here. Oh yeah, there definitely was contact, but I can't tell. I can't tell if it was. A, no, it looks like it was just a timeout, I guess. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, but five, about five thirty-nine to go in the game, and the Nets have a four-point lead here. Um, now with the Celtics, uh, we were talking about Ime Udoka potentially going to the Celtics. Uh, they did call back three coaches. To come back for a second interview, uh, that's Ime Udoka from Brooklyn, uh, Milwaukee's Darvin Ham, uh, and the Clippers' Chauncey Billups are among the candidates that uh, Boston wants a second interview with. And also, from what it sounds like, it sounds like Boston may just be cleaning house entirely of their entire coaching staff as it looks uh, that way. Pooh, as uh, Pooh Allen uh, ended up ended up joining the coaching staff of the uh, of the Pistons, and he's one of uh, he's one of Jason Tatum's favorite coaches. So it looks mm-hmm. like. It looks like uh, a lot of people were wondering, would Brad Stevens just promote one of his assistants to head coach? It looks like that's not going to happen, and instead the the next head coach is going to be somebody outside of the organization, which Uh honestly, in in all honesty, is probably the best best option for Boston to do because – 
you know, if if you hire or if you just keep it within the organization, essentially you're almost guaranteeing that the same system that you ran the previous couple of years will be basically uh-huh. the same system. Um, all right, let's talk about the uh, – obviously we had the uh, – not just – the awards for the NBA, but we had also the teams officially get announced. Uh, the All-NBA, yes. the All-Defensive, and the All-Rookie. Uh, we'll start with the All-Defensive. First, for the first team, we have uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Rudy, Go- Rudy Gobert, which obviously if anybody watched last night's Jazz game, you're, you're kind of wondering how the hell did Gobert get first team All-Defensive? Um, right, but keep in mind that was a four guys nice game, folks. Yeah, you got uh, Draymond Green, you got Drew Holiday, and you have Ben Simmons. Which honestly, Ben Simmons is probably the one that shocks me the most because you know Simmons, apart from him being unable to shoot a three point uh, to save his life. You know, it it really seems like he's starting to develop, he's starting to develop into a more well-rounded player. Yeah, it only took you four. It only took you about five years. Especially your first year really under count because, you know, because of the injury. Yeah. Yes. Now the uh, all second team uh, for all defensive, you have Bam Adebayo. You got Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid, which, by the way, I think is absolute bullshit. I think Embiid should have been first team over Go over Gobert, but that's right. just me. Uh, you got Kawhi Leonard, and you got Matisse Kibble. So three Sixers made the all-defensive teams with Simmons, Embiid, and Kibble. Uh, for which, which kind of makes sense considering. Uh, Doc Rivers' coaching style. Now, for the all-NBA teams, uh, all-NBA first team, you had Giannis Antetokounmpo, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, not a surprise, uh, Nikola Jokic, and Kawhi Leonard. The all-NBA second team, you had Joel Embiid, LeBron James, Damian Lillard, Chris Paul, and this one, honestly, is probably the most surprising to me, Julius Randle. Um, the All-NBA, and I'll, I'll tell you why in a minute. Uh, the All-NBA third team, you got Rudy Gobert, you got Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Bradley Beal, and Kyrie Irving. Right. Now, the reason why I'm kind of shocked that Julius Randle made – First off, I'm shocked that he made second team All-NBA was the fact that you have other people out there like Jason Tatum, uh, what's his name, Uh, Donovan Mitchell from the Jazz. You have a whole bunch of players who got snubbed of an an All-NBA spot who a lot of people argue should have been in the – should have been – on one of the teams, or uh, like I mentioned previously, you know, 
specifically for the all-defensive team, I feel Embiid should have been on the first team instead of the second team. You know, you could kind of argue that with a player yeah. like Randall, you know, it's possible that you could have put Bradley Beal or maybe Paul George on the second team as opposed to being on the third team. So it's it was it's just yeah. kind of surprising to me because Randall his name kind of sticks out when you think of when you think of all the other players that were named. And the fact that Chris Paul made all NBA second team, I think that really tells you the big difference that he made on that Phoenix Suns team this year. Just the fact that he he basically you could call him the MVP of the Phoenix Suns this year, even though uh, Devin Booker yeah. was, I believe, the lead scorer for them. Now, for the rookies, uh, the all-rookie first team, you had LaMelo Ball, who, by the way, also won Rookie of the Year despite playing in fewer games. Uh, yeah, you had Anthony Edwards. You had Tyrese Halliburton, and yeah, we'll get we'll get to that actually in a minute because that is that's that's a very controversial controversial selection. Yeah. Uh, you got Tyrese Halliburton, you got Sadiq Bay, and you got Jason Tate, Jay Sean Tate uh, for the first team. The All Rookie Second Team, you have Emmanuel Quickly, uh, Desmond Bain, Isaac Okoro, Isaiah Stewart and Patrick Williams. Now, LaMelo Ball winning the Rookie of the Year. I really don't understand. Well, unless it's because of the fact that he had, unless it's because of the fact that he had more well-rounded stats as opposed to Anthony Edwards. I mean, Anthony Edwards, he had, he, Edwards averaged more points per game, but he averaged less rebounds and less assists per game as well as less steals. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just to put it in comparison, uh, Anthony Edwards had 19.3 points. Ball had had 15.7. Edwards had 4.7 rebounds. Ball had 5.9. Okay. Edwards had 2.9 assists. Ball had 6.1. Okay. Edwards had 1.1 steals. Eds had 1.1 steals. Edwards, uh, 1.1 steals, and Ball had 1.6. So Mm. I guess maybe perhaps they looked at the overall season when it came to, you know, when when it came to, uh, deciding who wins Rookie of the Year. I don't know, though. I still – I kind of think that it should have It should have gone to uh, – I think it should have gone to Edwards, in my opinion. What are, what are your thoughts, yeah. Luke? Yeah, I, went, I, went, I went with Edwards. You know, MB was, you know, hurt a lot and whatnot. So uh, I, I think I went with Edwards. He had um, – I think he had more solid numbers there. Oh boy, bad joke, bad joke. Yeah, but you know, I I think Edwards is more deserving. 
Yeah, it was it was kind of a shock to me, honestly, that um, yeah. that Edward mm-hmm. didn't get it. Considering, I guess you would you would have to consider that it should go to a player who played, well, not just who played the most games, but you know who was able to make the most out of his rookie year. And I guess maybe uh, yeah, they're that's assuming, how it's done, isn't it? Yeah, but I guess maybe they're assuming that if Lamelo Ball didn't get injured, he probably would have gone around the same track, uh, you know, and possibly had possibly had better stats. So I guess maybe that's what they're that's what they're focusing on when it comes to when it comes to. Uh, Islanders win. Uh, giving him the Islanders did win. Yes, Dean just did it. All right. Well, this uh, this this series gets a lot more interesting now. Three to two. Best of three. Yep. It's now it's now a best of three with Game Five taking place on Monday uh, at the uh, St. Pete time. I I think it's the St. Pete Times Forum. I believe they're still there in Tampa. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this is going to get a lot more interesting now uh, in yeah. this series, especially if the if if Semyon Varlamov is still going to be able to limit the the Lightning as he has so far this series. You know, it's entirely possible that he could be in line for a potential con Smythe if 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 say the Islanders mm-hmm. end up going all the way to the finals and end up winning the Stanley Cup. It's entirely possible that Varlamov could be potentially in line for a con Smythe for playoff MVP. I know my partner is looking down this right now. <laughs> he is. So, uh, when, when it comes to tomorrow's games, uh, yeah. First off. For the for the Clippers, obviously Clippers and the Suns, uh, that will take place at I believe the I believe the advertisement said three thirty. Um, that is. coverage starts. Uh, both teams will be without their star players, as Chris Paul currently has yes. COVID, as he tested positive and he was still in the protocol as of today, and it was confirmed uh, that he will miss tomorrow's game with probably meaning that Cameron Payne will start uh, will start at point guard for the Suns in the starting lineup. Uh, but also, Kawhi Leonard did not travel with the Clippers to Phoenix, so that means he is out for at least the first two games uh, with his with – his, is it an ACL or a UCL? I think it was a UCL. Has. Because there's been there's been conflicting reports. Some said that it was a UCL with fear that he may have torn his ACL, and some are just saying it's his ACL. So I don't know. No, I believe it was a UCL. Because um, I, I was going to say, if it was an ACL, wouldn't that technically keep him out for the rest of the playoffs? I would assume. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of. When, when have the Bucks ever learned to not have Giannis at the free throw line? Never. That's another miss that he has tonight. Ooh. 
Holiday, though, from three men. Milwaukee Where's takes a three-point lead oh, over Brooklyn now. What a game. Oh, man, this is going to be a close one. And, oh. yeah, see, you know, like I mentioned before, a, ga- a game about runs and eight uh, before that Durant Do basket. Do the next three. Uh, before before that Durant basket, though, it was an 8-0 run that Milwaukee had been on. Yeah, what a game. What a game. Yeah, and this is just this – is, at this point – you know, right now they're currently trading back. Last possession wins. You know, the, like I, like I said, one of two things is going to happen. Either this could be Mike yeah. Budenholzer's last game with the Bucks, or right. you could be looking you could be looking at the title window in Brooklyn slipping away here. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I mean, I, th- I think there's going to be potentially big repercussions. Well, the Jazz can go down. I guess on. anybody could. True. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and also some news for tomorrow's Game 7 between the Hawks and the uh, 76ers. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich is listed as questionable with his <laughs> right knee injury. Uh, so it sounds like maybe perhaps it's possible he may not even play tomorrow. Uh, Joel Embiid is also listed as questionable with his uh, uh, with the uh, tear in his knee. Two. So it's entire you know it's entirely possible tomorrow's game could potentially be a toss up. Because even oh, I wouldn't doubt it. Because even with Embiid, here's the thing: Embiid is injured, but. I mean, apart from his mobility, it doesn't. Re- it hasn't really affected yeah, his stats that much. We are do- at least on my screen. Uh, we're down to about a minute twenty uh, left in the game here. I'm a little ahead. But then again, I'm t- uh, then again, I'm a little I'm a little behind here because I'm uh, I have it currently on stream as opposed to uh, I have it on uh, the Xfinity app as opposed to watching it on TV. The Xfinity app, but, yeah, because uh, what's it called? I'm currently in I'm currently in another room uh, where I have no TV right now, so. Uh, when I uh, when I have nights like this, I just I, I watch on the uh, on the Xfinity app as opposed to yeah I watch um, on I watch on yoursportsstream.com for a Viber stream. That's a better service. Oh, I see. Yeah, because on that you can get almost anything. Oh. Well, from what I see here, it looks like it's a three-point lead with about. A minute five left to go, so this is uh, this is going to be very very crucial here within this yeah. last minute. Uh, some coaching, uh, some bits of coaching news. Uh, Scott Brooks and the Washington Wizards have parted ways, uh, which is kind of surprising considering Brooks led the Wizards to a playoff appearance this year, even though they yeah, were eliminated in five myself. games. 
but uh, it's more of a case of he's not fired. It's more of a case that his contract has expired and they were unable to reach an agreement on a new deal. Uh, they basically are agreeing to part ways uh, mutually in this uh, in this scenario here. Uh, Stan Van Gundy, though, is out as head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans after just one season. Uh, missing the NBA postseason after posting a 31 and 41 record uh, for with the Pelicans. Not surprising. Not really surprising, and also I think this is I think this is a case of uh, the fact that I think they are actually facing uh, some pressure from uh, what's his, what's his name uh, from Zion Williamson's family. Apparently, Zion Williamson's family is trying to convince Zion to request a trade out of New Orleans. And you know how Williamson is supposed to be the next coming of LeBron, apparently. So, yeah. So, you know, he's, he's basically their franchise guy at this point. Now another coach that uh, another coach that is well technically he stepped down and this one was probably the biggest shocker of them was Rick Carlisle, an NBA championship yeah. winning coach with the Dallas Mavericks, and he spent the last 13 years at the helm of of the Mavericks. Uh, he had two years remaining on his deal. Uh, the two sides though have. Uh, decided to part ways, uh, Carlisle basically said in his statement that uh, he wanted to focus more on family, um, and actually it was his decision, apparently, because he said after a number of in-person conversations with Mark Cuban over the last week, today I informed him that I will not be returning as head coach of the Dallas Mavericks. So it sounds like it was his decision. Yeah, it it sounds like it was his decision to do so, which is yes. kind of interesting because you know there have been rumors that there was some sort of friction uh, to you know between Carlisle and uh, Luka Doncic. So it kind of makes you wonder, you know, obviously, you know, with Carlisle officially being out with his resume. You know, you're probably he's probably not going to be looking for work for long. Uh, you know, a lot of people thought maybe he would go to Boston because of his connection to Boston. You know, he did win an NBA title uh, back in '86 with Larry Bird here in Boston. I remember. But, uh, now, you know, from what it sounds like, it sounds like Carlisle isn't even on Boston's list. So, kind of makes you kind of makes you wonder what's going to be in store here, you know? Because, you know, not only did the Mavericks lose Carlisle this week, but they also lost Donnie Nelson, their GM. Yeah. Who, who for the, for those that don't know, he is the son of Hall of Fame coach Don Nelson. Yeah. One of the Knicks' worst coaches 
So, I mean, Lou, this has to be, you know, a, a huge shift that we're going to see now yeah. with, within this Mavericks organization. You know, uh, what do you what do you think may happen here with Dallas? Because do, do you think that maybe, obviously, you know, they have two disgruntled stars with Porzingis and uh, – Very disgruntled. Porzingis and – Porzingis and uh, Doncic not being able to work with each other. Uh, obviously, whoever becomes the next GM is going to have uh, his hands full. Think that maybe, perhaps, you know, they may they may look at Doncic uh, when it comes to deciding who their next potential coach is going to be. Could they ask Doncic who his preference would possibly be? Because right. I mean, you're, you're kind of seeing it right now, actually, in Boston with uh, with Tatum and Brown. Obviously, they're going to consult Brown and Tatum when it comes to who they want as their new head coach. You know, so uh, it's it's really it's really weird all the stuff that's been going on in the NBA this week. It uh, yes, definitely. It, you know. Now, now we're up to what seven or eight teams that are looking for a coach. Uh, yeah, last check, and who knows, there might be more by tomorrow. Yeah, depending, you know, like like uh, like I said multiple times tonight, depending on what happens here. Obviously, Steve Nash, he isn't gonna he isn't gonna get fired as the Brooklyn coach, but uh, if the Bucks end up blowing this. You know, it's it's entirely possible that uh, Budenholzer may out. be uh, joining, may be joining the unemployment line as well. Well, eight seconds left to go. What's the next? What's the next miracle here? I think the Bucks are safe with two point one seconds on the shot clock, too. Yeah. And I don't know, does Brooklyn – no, actually, yeah, it says Brooklyn does have one timeout remaining, so they could use that timeout if they get possession uh, following the shot here. They could use that timeout. They could use the timeout and bring bring possession all the way to the half court. So it's entirely possible that – Right. You know that uh, that this could be this could set up for a potential game-winning shot here with the Nets. Obviously, of course, if Milwaukee gets this in, I assume they're probably going to try to give it to uh, to Holiday, unless they're going to try and have uh, unless they're going to try and have Middleton uh, Middleton take a shot because I don't think there's enough time for Giannis to get to the hoop. <laughs> You don't have to get What the hell was that? Yeah, I know. What the what the hell was that? Why I'm sorry, why are you giving it to Lopez? I mean <laughs> You know how I was talking about stupid decisions earlier, right? This yeah, is just yeah. another one by Budenholzer. This is just another one by Budenholzer because obviously this is the play that was drawn up. Why are you giving it to Brooke Lopez? And Lopez apparently had no idea that there was only two seconds left on the shot clock. 
I mean, yeah. I just I don't I don't understand what the what, he- what the hell Budenholzer's doing here with the. Some things are not and, understood. That's the problem. Yeah, and let me let me let me put okay. it this way: uh, the social media the social media uh, reaction here is not good for Coach Budenholzer. Um, man, you know, but even if the Bucks do manage to get out of this game with a win, I'm finding it very hard to, to believe that they're gonna that that. They're gonna uh, advance to the uh, to the NBA Finals. Yeah, I'm not so sure about that. Okay, well, okay, look where we are. I don't think you should go for three. I think I play it safe. So. Yeah, unless unless you get literally a wide open shot. If I don't know, seconds left. I assume that. I assume that Milwaukee's gonna gonna be playing man to man. Uh, Shoot it. Assuming. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! <laughs> the guys. Oh my god! It should be a three. That should be a three. Yeah, it's a three. It's a three. They're playing with a two. Give me a break. Yeah, no, they haven't. Oh, they haven't it on. Wait a minute. Yeah, that's a three. That's a three. That's yeah, a three on a jerk. Don't you have fun? It's a three. This ball was on the line, stupid. Come on. Wait, that let me see. Let me well, see. I don't know. From 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 the oh, original oh, angle, oh, it didn't, oh. was it? Well, look, we're still in the game regardless, so that's that's the good news. Yeah, but from from the original angle, it didn't look like it was. A, it didn't look like it was a two pointer. Let's see on the replay. No. Yeah, the foot's on the well. I don't know if the foot's on the line. Is it still? Uh, oh yeah, they, they they got rid of it. They got rid of it. Yeah, it's a two. It's a two. Well, it's a tie game. Tie game. So we're heading to overtime for this one. We certainly are. Unless 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 Milwaukee puts up uh, puts up one don't hell of there. a uh, one hell of a throw. Uh, Oh, uh, what you gonna see a you gonna see a Grand Hill of Christian Leitner move or something? I don't know. Well, I don't know Milwaukee or Villanova in twenty sixteen. Yeah, or Villanova in twenty sixteen. Milwaukee has used their final timeout, and actually, uh, Durant forty eight points. It's the most by yeah. an NBA player in Game Seven history. They just uh, they just uh, put that right now on the uh, on the TNT broadcast here. Amazing, 40, yeah. you know, it's it's just like I said earlier. Brooklyn has so many players that can that can basically dominate on any single. Oh, game. look where they are! Oh, wait, are they going to half court? They're too close. This could be uh, well. There's one second, but uh, I mean they well, can get a shot off go- in one second. Oh boy, yeah. It, it all depends on who they get the Hold ball your breath. to. I mean, if they do a stupid, a stupid uh, attempt to, nope. uh, to uh-huh. bring Lopez again, wouldn't count anyway. 
Overtime. Yeah. Yeah, we're headed for overtime for this one. But taking a look at some of the stats that we have here, uh, heading into overtime, Durant obviously leading for the Mets, 48 points, six assists, eight rebounds. Uh, James Harden, you know, not bad with his injury, 22 points, nine assists, seven rebounds. Blake Blake Griffin, who the hell is this Blake Griffin? Uh, dialing dialing the uh, the needle back from the time that he was with the Clippers, seventeen yeah. points, eleven rebounds. He's like he's a different player ever since he ever since he uh, came to the Brooklyn Nets. Considering considering uh, you know how he was with uh, with Detroit this year, Det- with Detroit he was a shell of his former self. Now mm. all of a sudden he comes to Brooklyn, and all of a sudden he's re- he's rejuvenated basically. Yes. And oh, that's actually something notable here. Uh, they used Nicholas Claxton for that one second of play. I'm kind of wondering if they're going to put him in for overtime mm. or if that was just used as a defensive uh as a defensive body. I think they might put him in. I'm I'm taking a look at the foul trouble right now. Durant has four fouls. Griffin is on the verge of potentially fouling out. He has five. Uh Bruce Brown has four. Uh Jeff Green has three off of the bench, but Green has been a non factor tonight. PJ Tucker has five for Milwaukee, that could be a big loss if he if he ends up fouling out. Uh, so does mm. Drew Holiday as well. So uh, Milwaukee is actually in worse foul trouble, I believe, than Brooklyn in terms of yes. a certain players. That could be a factor. But uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, 38 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists for the game. Uh, Chris Middleton, 21 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, along with 5 steals as well uh, in regulation. So it's, you know, it's going to come, it's going to come down to this, you know, I know we, I know we said it earlier, uh, but a lot hinges on these next five minutes. Um, yes. Especially with how, especially with how Budenholzer has played this series, has, has called this series, if Milwaukee loses, Budenholzer's gone. I would be very shocked if he ends up staying. I'd be very shocked if he ends up staying as head coach of the uh, of the Bucks. Yeah. yeah. But we'll see. I guess. Uh, oh yeah. Also, when it comes to uh, when it comes to the Mavericks, by the way, Luka Doncic apparently it is expected that Doncic is going to sign the supermax uh, with the how much with the Mavericks uh, five years worth more than two hundred million. Yee. From what it from what it Yee. looks like here. Oh, oh what? Oh my God, Giannis. Giannis Uh-oh. really tried to call. He really tried to call a uh, to draw a foul there. With uh, you know, with the fallback. Yeah. 
man, oh man. I mean, I've seen I've seen some stu- some stupid flops, but uh, yes. Yeah, not the time to be stupid, people. At this point, they're reaching at this point with with. Uh, I mean, I understand it's right. the playoffs, but uh, you know, hard to believe. Whatever whatever happened to uh, whoops? You know the NBA. Whatever happened to the NBA? Uh, you know, finding players for flopping. Bygone era. <laughs> Yeah, it really seems like they've gotten rid of that in recent years. Yeah, they have. They've really softened up on some of the, you know, the rules and whatnot, which is what, you know, when I say the game, you can see why, you know, some of the uh, fans, and of course, some of the players are bitching about it because, you know, how they, how they have changed you know, some of their rules. It doesn't make for better play either. Yeah. Oh, do I have that? And I mean, if you know, if any, if anything, it obviously with the, with all the flopping, it kind of it kind of sours fans, honestly. If anything, because nobody wants to watch a game where they're doing nothing but uh, where they're flopping as bad as uh, some soccer players yeah. do, right? Out on the pitch. Mm-hmm. So, and keep that, but you'll be a flop. I mean, I've. I mean, I've seen I've seen some soccer players, uh, you know, yeah. try to pull off an Oscar-winning Speaking performance of that, uh, before. Now, I don't know. Speaking of soccer, now I don't know if you've been paying attention much to the World Cup other than the uh, Ericsson injury, but I have not, I don't think I've ever seen as many players going into their own net and scoring a goal for the others for the other side. I mean, it's how I think at least five or six games in this tournament. Like, what the hell? Uh, Oh, I heard. I heard. Wasn't one of more, one of the most recent games? There were two own goals, I believe. Yeah. By yeah, the I same saw it. team, might I add. What What was it? Was it Germany or I'm trying to remember the name of uh, it was Poland of the squad. Who was it? I think it was Poland. I think it was Poland. Huh. And I, I gotta, I gotta look this up because I remember, I remember it coming across. Um, I remember it coming across my ESPN, uh, my yeah. ESPN app. I think it was today, actually. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it was today. Oof. Yeah, there, there was a, there was a one nothing win for France uh, a couple of days ago on an own goal from Germany. Yeah. And let me check. Uh, there was, yeah, it was Portugal actually. Portugal scores. Portugal scores two own goals against Germany. They become the first team to score two own goals in one game at the European Championship. Dumbass. To give Germany to give Germany a two-one win. See, I knew it had to do with Germany. I just didn't think oh. that it was. I just didn't. I, I, I honestly thought it was Germany that that scored the own goals, yeah. but no, it was it was it was Portugal actually. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is still very close. Two a two point. Then again, I'm behind, but 
It's a two-point lead for uh, for Brooklyn right now. But they're missing a lot of shots. Uh, what is this, a jump ball? It appears to be a jump ball. Because for some reason, I, I guess uh, Brooke Lopez thought he was a uh, he was a, uh, he was a Met. Yeah. Okay. Between between Lopez and uh, and Durant. Yeah. Lopez was on our side one time. Yeah. Back when he used to be able to dunk. Yeah. Now what happened to that? Now for some reason, exactly. for some reason now he's turned he's turned into more of a three point shooter or three point attempt shooter, I should say. What is up with the league now, where it's almost like you have to you you have to be able to shoot a three pointer if you want to play in this league? Right. I mean, there are teams now. There are teams now where they either live or they die by the three. You know, whatever happened. As the old saying goes, whatever happened to getting to the net? Yeah. To driving to the net. You know, I remember how you you would never see Shaq go for a three pointer. No, no, no. It would it would always be it would always be driving to the net. Okay, the oh, Greek is at the line. Oh yeah. Oh no, that's that's six for Griffin. Uh oh. Yeah. Oh, that's gonna. I believe they're probably bringing in Claxton right now. Then nope, they're bringing in Green. Green. Uh, that's a big loss actually for their interior defense. Yeah. Although Green's not that bad though, but. Uh, oh, they're not going to shoot two. Okay. Wait, they're not going to shoot two. Lost the ball. Oh, it must have been it must it must have been a reach in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it must have it must have been a reach in. That's actually, believe it or not, that's actually good for the Bucks because uh, Antonio Cupo is a horrible uh, free throw shooter. So yeah. that's actually. Uh, but then again, apparently he can't hang on to the ball. No. Uh, was that off Brooklyn though? Looks like that was off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's lucky. Right off of Durant's shoe. <sighs> right off of the back of his shoe. So damn lucky. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Well, we do have the home run derby uh, coming up on July twelfth at Coors Field, mm-hmm. and we do have our official first participant as Shohei Otani will officially be participating in the Home Run Derby. He will be the first uh, dual player to participate in the Home Run Derby. Or wait, no. No, no. I'm, I'm, uh, for some reason, I'm thinking that Madison Bumgarner did one year. He didn't. No. Yeah. It, so... Uh, Shohei Otani will be the first dual player to to not just uh, obviously he's a pitcher and a hitter, but he'll be the first dual player to participate in the home run derby. Cool. As uh, 
when this was when this was previously reported at the time he had 19 homers which put him just behind Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, however though uh, he did get his 20th I, I believe either yesterday or the day before uh, yeah. Otani this year was slugging at the time 615 slugging percentage uh, which it was fifth place in the league. Uh, he's also flashed some of the game's best raw power with only Franchi Cordero, Giancarlo Stanton, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and Mike Zanino having having harder hit homers uh, than Otani's 117 mile per hour blast off of uh, off of Rangers reliever Brett De, Brett De back on May 25th. Um, so just some other some other notes here as well. The Rangers did did acquire right-handed pitcher uh, Dennis Santana from the Dodgers in exchange for right-handed pitcher Kelvin Bautista. Uh, Santana Bautista. was designated for assignment by LA last week. Uh, once a highly regarded prospect, uh, he unfortunately holds a career 6.42 ERA. Uh, at the major league level in 40 and two-thirds total innings. So it looks like he is headed to the Rangers AAA roster uh, in Round Rock, at least for now. Uh, The Blue Jays today, they acquired right-hander Jacob Barnes from the New York Mets in exchange for fellow right-hander Troy Miller, according to Anthony DeComo of MLB.com. And actually, you know, looking at the standings right now, uh, first off, I'll say the Yan- the Yankees kind of got lucky because it looked like uh, it looked like the Athletics yeah. were dominating them today until uh, early on, that, yeah. That, that late inning that late inning surge uh, by the Yankees. I believe it was Urshela that led the way. I think um, with the late inning surge that we saw. Uh, but right now, the AL East, you have Boston and Tampa Bay in a tie for the top with uh, Boston defeating Kansas City today and Tampa Bay on a four-game losing streak right now. Uh, obviously, in the AL Central, you have the Chicago White Sox. Ooh, this is bad for Brooklyn. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have the White Sox in the lead uh, by about three and a half games over Cleveland with a 43-28 and 28 record. Uh, in the AL West, you have Oakland leading Houston by a game. NL East, surprisingly, the Mets are still on top. Oh, my Lord. Wow. So... This is about to go final. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets, the favorites to win the NBA title, have fallen to the Milwaukee Bucks with 0.3 seconds left. A shocker in Brooklyn. 
and you know it kind of makes it, this kind of makes sense that that because they've been going to Kevin Durant for yeah. all of their offense, and he just gassed out these last two attempts. You know, I think tonight's game really showed how much they miss Kyrie Irving. Oh, no question about it. You know, you have that one less star to, uh, you have that one less star out there, which allows the a team like Milwaukee to either double Durant or double Harden, which basically takes away another star that essentially puts all of the pressure on, on, one, on one person. And we're seeing that with Durant here. You know, I mean, there's there's only so much that one player can that one player can do. When when you're a guy like Durant and you're putting up 48 points in a playoff game or in a regular season game, you know, it's it it, it sucks for a team like Brooklyn to put together yeah. this super team. Uh, obviously, last year, you know, la- last year Kevin Durant was out the entire year with, uh, because of his injury that he suffered in the NBA Finals. Um, you know, Kyrie basically didn't really feel, didn't really feel like being around, uh, being around the game of basketball basically last year. Uh, so he didn't even play the full season, and obviously James Harden at the time was still was still a Houston Rocket. But man, you know, like we like we talked about earlier, Lou, this this, this looks like a real big missed opportunity for the Brooklyn Nets, and it yes. you know it kind of uh, you said this earlier that. Uh, I did, didn't I? This may have been their best opportunity to win an NBA title, and yeah. we saw this. We saw this when they acquired Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. Uh, you know, when they tried to go all in that time, and we saw how that backfired. Obviously, this time they didn't really. I mean, they had to give up assets for for James Harden, but. Um, What the hell is going on here? Wait, they're resuming play? Huh? Yeah, it I I just looked it up here and they apparently have put resuming the point play. three seconds back on the clock. Yeah, they put the point three seconds back on the clock. Well, what did I mean they're not gonna get it anyway. So what the hell is going on here? Oh, okay, because they're saying that that the Nets uh, the Nets fouled uh, fouled Brook Lopez. Okay. Okay, so that's that's all that was is basically uh, bringing Lopez to the line. So yeah, this game's over still. Um, Unless I guess are they gonna? Yeah, no, the game's over. Four point, four point deficit. So it's a one fifteen to one eleven final. 
uh, for the for the Milwaukee Bucks. Man, you know it's you just you just have to wonder, Lou, if Harden wasn't injured. I mean, Harden still played good, you know, but he yeah. obviously, you know, he was he he was clearly hampered part of this uh, part of this yes. series due to his due to his injury. If he wasn't injured, if Kyrie didn't get injured uh, by rolling his ankle basically on uh, you know on the foot of Giannis Antetokounmpo. It kind of makes you wonder what the hell, what could have been if all three of myself were healthy. Yeah. If that were the case, I think maybe they would have won this series. You know, it's entirely possible that this series may not have even gone seven games. Mm-hmm. Because when you. Because when you th- when you think about when you think about how this series started out, you know the they had they had uh, obviously Brooklyn getting off to the the big start that they that they always get off to. They they won Game One one fifteen to one hundred seven. They won Game Two by an even bigger margin one twenty five to eighty six. You know it looked like this was going to be another quick dispatch. Uh, then then Milwaukee comes back, 86-83, then 107-96. to And now we finally have a series again. But with Milwaukee blowing the lead in game five, you know, it just made you wonder, could this just be the next year and that this was going to be another epic choke by the Milwaukee Bucks in another playoff run. And somehow Milwaukee was able to come back in game six, 104 to 89. And now we have game seven with uh, Giannis putting up 40 points in a 115 to 111 victory in overtime. You know, I think of, big difference this year is because of, you know, I I can sort of equate Drew Holiday, the importance of Drew Holiday to basically Malcolm Brogdon when he was with Milwaukee. If if you had uh, if they had Brogdon still you know, it's entirely possible who knows what could have, who knows how how big the Bucks could be, but with them bringing in Drew Holiday, it really seems like that this is what turned this is what has turned this franchise back into a solid NBA Finals contender. Because Holiday was that big shooter that they were missing from from long range. And, you know, obviously Milwaukee, they faced the winner of the 76ers and uh, Atlanta tomorrow, depending on who ends up winning that game. You know, I think it's entirely possible, Lou, that we may be looking at Milwaukee going to the NBA Finals. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid so. I mean, what what are your thoughts? Do you think that there? Do you think that either Philadelphia or Atlanta could potentially upset uh, Milwaukee? I would think more Atlanta with Trey Young. I think that would be more more the upset. Yeah, you know, I'm finding it very hard when it comes to Philly, especially with Embiid being injured. I think a healthy Embiid, you know, it would yeah. be. I would be looking at a at a Philadelphia win uh, with a healthy Embiid if they were to face off against the the Bucks. But with Embiid being clearly injured uh, and you know not being as mobile as he used uh, as he's been this whole season, I'm finding it very hard for him to uh, you know to potentially match up against Brook Lopez especially with the pressure that Lopez brings uh, to the basket. But, you know, when it comes to Atlanta, Atlanta, I think, is more di- more diverse when it comes to their, uh, to their scoring threats, both off the bench and in the starting lineup. So, I think it's entirely possible that Atlanta would probably provide, uh, you know, more of a more more of a threat compared to uh, Philly. But man, I'm t- you know I'm telling you, I think it's very possible that this might be Milwaukee's year this year. The first time of just with how. Yeah, just with how they just with how they've been playing, and obviously, um, you know, you've got, of course, Phoenix facing off against the Clippers. With, and all I'm, I'm just waiting for the Clippers to choke again. I don't know Are where we all? it'll be if it'll. I don't know if it'll be in the finals or if it'll be in the conference finals, but I'm just waiting for for uh, for them to choke again. Well, because you know it's coming, and with the Phoenix Suns, it just seems like the Phoenix Suns are, you know, are more of a team that are more well-rounded if I could put it that way. They're more well-rounded, especially with all of the uh, all of the young first-round talent that they have. I mean, it's going to happen. You know, it's, it's kind of funny, too. Uh, Charles Barkley, normally when he guarantees something's going to happen, usually it's always the complete opposite thing that ends up happening. He guaranteed that the Milwaukee Bucks advance tonight which immediately led everybody to put all their money on the Nets. And you know what? That's another thing, too, uh, that, we could, that we could talk about here. Charles Barkley apparently will be leaving NBA on TNT uh, hmm. once, his contract, once his contract expires. And... It says here that he's basically sick. It says the reason why is that he's sick of the cancel culture. 
that is uh, that is going right, on right. Of course. Uh, around the world. And, you know, he's been making – I mean, keep in mind, he's been the backbone of TNT's inside the NBA since 2000. He's been yeah. making politically incorrect jokes all the way since he – ever since he joined the, the show. And right. – Apparently, producers of the Emmy, uh, 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 the producers of Inside the NBA, apparently have taken uh, their agenda too far. Uh, Barkley actually actually went on a radio station uh, on 106.7 The Fan earlier this week, and he said, "That's all we ever talk about behind the scenes." Like, "Yo, man, be careful going in this direction." And he responded by saying, "I'm like, yo, man, we can't even have fun anymore." We've had fun right. all these years, and now all of a sudden, in the last year and a half, everybody is trying to get everybody fired, and it really sucks. Yeah. Uh, and, and he said, I'm trying to hang on for another couple years until I'm 60, and then they can kiss my ass. I'm only working till 60. I've already told them that. I'm not kissing their uh, ass. But... You know, he's basically, he he also said, I'm sick of talking about kneeling. What are y'all actually going to do for the community? Because all they're doing is making people mad with the kneeling. You know, uh, and then he went off on a whole tangent about about black people and stuff like that. Uh, And he also accused sports teams of turning social justice issues into a circus with a bombardment of messages like Black Lives Matter plastered all over mm-hmm. jerseys and basketball courts. Uh, and this, he said this, and I believe this to be true. Uh, America wants to watch sports to escape the stresses of the world, not engage in it. Right. And it kind of makes sense, you know, that uh, sports all these years have been about entertainment. Well, that and, yes, you know, players making money uh, as entertainers, technically. So I can see what he's saying. And I, uh, you know, the yeah, fact that so I. The, the, past, the past year and a half, things have just gone way over the top to where, mm-hmm. you know, all of this cancel culture bullshit and, and all the, you know, the Black Lives Matter stuff and everything – uh, I mean, I remember we had a uh, we had a caller call into the show uh, a couple months ago, I believe, discussing this very same thing uh, when it comes to yes. you know sport agenda political agendas being brought into the sports world. Uh, you know, it just doesn't make sense. It seems out of it seems no. out of place. I guess if you want to put if I. It is out of that way. It, it just seems it seems really out of place. But I mean, you've, I don't know if you heard me say it or not, but politics and sports don't mix. Well, at least they shouldn't. Oh yeah, exactly. It's just like it's just like oil and water. You know, right. it's not going to mix. So, you know, why, why even? I I kind of agree with uh, with Barkley. You know, a lot of the stuff for one side agree with too. It's it's kind of funny because I watched uh, some inside the NBA clips earlier this week, 
And mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that they brought up in previous years, like, you know, how one of his major things was he would always talk about the women in San Antonio uh, and all that other crap. Yeah. Nowadays, nowadays, he would get absolutely roped. Oh, excuse me. He would get absolutely roasted by the social justice warriors uh, for even bringing up, uh, you know, uh, women in San Antonio. People would probably be calling him misogynistic. All of this, uh, all of this bullshit, you know. Uh, yeah. So it kind of, it kind of makes sense with what with what he's saying, you know. Like, what happened to? Sure to being able to make jokes, even though you may not even mean it, you know, part of it is for entertainment. You know, that's part of what he's paid to do is to entertain. You know, what happened to being able to make those jokes without, uh, without facing all this backlash? Yeah. And hell, you know, that's I, – I can see his reasoning for wanting to uh, for wanting to retire uh, in about two years right. once his contract is up. All right. I see his let's point. Let's see. Yeah. Let, let's see. Around, uh, around baseball here, we do have – ooh. What is this? We have another potential no hitter in the works right uh-huh. now. Another potential no no. This one with the LA Dodgers as through, well, they're currently in the sixth inning. Uh, Walker Bueller is currently through five innings with no hits, uh, uh, allowing only two walks, striking out seven. And let's see, uh, yeah, no, I don't think he's going to go the full way. Uh, he's at 74 pitches already. So it'll probably uh, be the best The best he can hope for is probably a combined no-hitter unless he has a couple of quick innings. Uh, yeah. The Dodgers, they're leading, they're leading the Diamondbacks 3-0 right now. Uh, Dodgers have seven hits. Uh, but, yeah, it doesn't look like the Diamondbacks are the worst team on the road. I believe they're only two away, I think, from the record, right? Uh, we yeah. need two more no-hitters. We need two more no-hitters to uh, to set a new record for no-hitters in a season, I think. Yeah, but the Diamondbacks are horrible on the road, and they have the league's worst record. Well, they're at home right now, actually, the Diamondbacks. Uh, oh, they're playing, I, I thought they are playing on there. Oh, I thought they are playing on the desert. I don't know how they're handling though. 115 yeah, degree yeah, temperatures playing, though. Yeah, they're playing. They're playing in Arizona right now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously, obviously, the temperature uh, plays a bit of a factor. But you would think that that uh, players in Arizona would be kind of used to that, considering it's it's kind of it's kind of like you know how how players that play in cold climates. Like, for example, a lot of people wonder how the hell uh, the New England Patriots can play in cold weather uh, wearing no sleeves uh, compared to compared to some of the other players 
uh, you know, some of the other teams that they play against. It's like, obviously, when you're when you're used to playing in a certain in a certain uh, environment, you know, obviously, you you become accustomed to it, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but still, 115 degrees. I mean, no human. That's that's you know past human standards. I don't know how people can survive that. I mean, because that's when yeah. you know you start getting a heat stroke. Um, that goes to lead to a heart attack and whatnot. So, you know, I don't see how you can play in that kind of extreme temperature. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, obviously there's probably precautions that are taken, but. Um, obviously. It is, it is very, uh, it is very hard to imagine, you know, that the teams can get so used to playing in certain conditions uh, you know what? I want to get your thoughts because uh, I believe you may have been off the line. I think when I talked about this last week, uh, what oh. are your thoughts on on Major League Baseball deciding oh, yeah. to crack down all of a sudden on these substances? Yeah, well, you know the substances. I don't think they should uh, be allowed because it is a form of cheating, and you know it's always like there's always something going on. You know, uh, crack bats. I mean, cork bats. Uh, uh, juicing of the balls, and now we have now we have this and you know the steroids and you know this is just like you know another version of the steroids. They're using these uh, foreign substances to quote grip the ball better, and that may be why you're seeing all these no hitters too. I mean, it may have something to do with it, but that doesn't make it right. That's true. I mean, the MLB you know has to has to crack down on this. I mean, yeah, I was going to say you should obviously. get you know. Yeah, they should get life in prison without parole. That was that'd be my suggestion, but the only thing uh, a ten game suspension with pay, by the way. With pay. With pay. Wow. Now they'll cover uh, the cost of this game, mishap. Now, it's a, a ten game suspension, so that's basically just two starts for a starting pitcher, or is it right. ten games like, or is it ten games like ten ten spots that they would play? No, it's a ten. It's a ten game. I think it's a ten game suspension. Jesus, that's days. not really much. That's no, not really it, it much. Was two starts. That's not much at all. I mean, I mean, it would affect it. would affect them more if they were relievers. Uh, yeah. You know, coming out of the bullpen, it would it would affect them more. Uh, you know, having a ten game suspension that way, but. You know, for right. for starters, that's basically like going on the disabled list for for two games. That's it. Yeah. Oh, we can't say it no more. Now I have to call it the injured list. Or I'm sorry, the injured list. My bad. I yeah. don't want to offend anybody. Um, right. But yeah, you know that's that's but basically that, the equivalent of that's basically the equivalent of going on the injured list for two games. That's it. Yes. Or for, yeah, for for two start. Big deal. Right. I mean. But like I said, it, it doesn't make it right. I mean, you know you shouldn't be taking it in, you know, and, and this is just, this is worse than Sarah's idea because this is coming from, you know, outside sources. You know, these four yeah. substances. Yeah. They call it spider track. Yeah, sp- spider track and, uh, they're also using something else, I think, as well. 
I think I think they're using something else as well. Um, that you know, we've actually seen this for uh, a couple of years. Actually, I believe wasn't there a uh, there was a Yankee player, wasn't it Jabba? I think Jabba Chamberlain yes. was he involved yes, him. in some sort of usage? Yes. Um, you know, it's the thing is we've seen stuff get used throughout the years. It's just that Major League Baseball has never been so gung-ho on cracking down uh, on illegal substances until this year for some reason. I guess it must be because of the, because of the insanely high amount of, uh, of uh, strikeouts that we've been seeing, you know, and uh, I believe it was Garrett Richards who actually said after his last start when he commented on the matter and he said, "Well, I hope you guys liked four. Uh, I hope you guys liked four-hour games because you're about to go back to that uh, by Major League Baseball cracking down on all this stuff." Uh, that we don't want to see. Well, obviously, well, I, not. I mean, some 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 of us would like to would like the game to end at some point, um, you know, instead of going on these uh, going on these on these tangents for uh, of, of God knows how many hours. Uh, that's kind of yeah. why, you know, of course, they introduced the overtime, uh, the new overtime rule by every team. In an overtime, they start out uh, in, an, in every extra inning. They start out with a runner at second base uh, yes. to try and speed up things. But and it's worked well for the most part. Nobody's gone past twelve innings uh, this year. Yeah, pretty much. It's it's been successful. That's that's one of the one of the rare new things that they've introduced that's actually worked out pretty well. Yeah, uh, when it comes to. Now, you know, one of the things, and I find this kind of funny because of the position that the Red Sox are in right now, keep in mind the draft is going off of not last year's stats, but I believe the year before's stats. So 2019? Boston, yeah, I think, it, I think they're going off of 2019's uh, stats. So Boston right now is in line for the number four pick, mm-hmm. which – from what it sounds like, it's going to be one of either Kumar Rocker or Jack Leiter, Al Leiter's son. Oh. And, I mean, Al. just think about that. Think about that. A team like Boston, who looks like they're going to be back in the playoff uh, in the playoffs this year, assuming that they yes. don't have a, assuming that they don't have an epic collapse like they sometimes have had. I Looking at you, that. Francona. Um, but, you know, you're going to have a playoff team that's now going to add a player that could potentially start as soon as, uh, within a couple of months, actually, uh, like Andrew Benintendi did after, after Andrew Benintendi got drafted sixth overall, it wasn't that much, it wasn't that much longer before he joined the, uh, the Boston Red Sox, uh, major league roster. Yes. And especially when you have guys like Kumar Rocker and Al, uh, not Al Leiter, Jack Leiter, 
throwing close to close to 98, 99 miles per hour on their fastballs already, you know, you're looking at guys that have major league ready talent already. So, I mean, this is this is a point where uh, the Red Sox, uh, a team like the Red Sox, you know, could potentially. Uh, then again, when is the draft? That's July. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure because usually it's right after it's right after or during the College World Series, I believe. Um, yes, which is going on right now. Yeah, July 11th through the 13th is what it says here. So, from what it looks like, it's it's entirely possible. And I mean, obviously, you know, players would have to, uh, you know, the new players would have to basically uh, get used to uh, not playing in college and playing in the pros. Uh, but from what it looks like, it looks like from according to ESPN's latest mock draft. Uh, Jack Leiter will be going to the Boston Red Sox. Oh wow, six six for uh, for Arizona and Vanderbilt. Uh, yes. You know what? I'm kind of surprised when you think about it that. Uh, I'm kind of surprised that Vanderbilt ended up making it, but yet number one rated Arkansas didn't. Yeah. Go figure. Especially considering... one first and second. Uh, Arkansas, you know, was the number one... was the number one... Uh, the first time in their history, actually, that they were ranked number one in the country. Yes. And actually, uh, we do already have one final from today, NC State with a 10-4 victory over Stanford. Right. Um, so, obviously, we have Vanderbilt and Arizona currently ongoing. Uh, tomorrow's schedule, we have Tennessee against Virginia at 2. That will be on ESPN2. And we have Texas at Mississippi State. That will be at 7 on ESPN2. Then on Monday, you have Stanford taking on the Game 2 loser. So the loser of Vanderbilt versus Arizona will face off against Stanford at 2 p.m. on ESPNU. Uh, And NC State will face off against the winner of Vanderbilt and Arizona. That'll be on ESPN on Monday. And... It looks like the way it's lining up right now, the College World Series finals will begin on June 28th. Mm-hmm. Same as we will be. That's what well, it looks Steve, like here. Well, Steve, uh, before you go, I want to wish you a happy Father's Day. Um, well, I don't know if you're a father or not, but if you are, I wish you a happy one. Well, no, unfortunately I'm not, but, uh, but, but thank you. Uh, I, I wish that uh, I wish that my father was uh, was around uh, so that I could wish him one. But uh, right. he's been he's been gone for a couple of years now. I see. Passed away that is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. 
And it's also my anniversary show because this was the week that I first started delving in the world of podcasting eight years ago this week. Not nationally, but I started locally. Yeah. I didn't go national until 2016. Man, that's an that's an awful long, an awful long time to have been to have been in that world uh, in the world of podcasting. Eight years, eight years, and some people like, do you ever shut up? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, we are we are approaching the end of our show tonight. Uh, we have yeah, just about a minute before I get anyway. cut off. I'll say good night. Yeah, thank you, Lou, for joining me tonight. Uh, Everybody else, uh, obviously, of course, stay tuned to the to uh, Block Talk Radio, um, blogtalkradio.com slash missyae to see when we will have our next podcast. Uh, whether it will be if we are, if we are going to have a Survivor podcast or some sort of podcast uh, during this week, or if we'll just be uh, be waiting until until the next edition of Sports Whispers Weekly, which will be next Saturday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, A reminder that uh, we will start the Big Brother recaps beginning shortly after the cast cast reveal, where we will have the cast assessment podcast right before our first episode. Uh, But, yeah, thank you, everybody, for joining me tonight, and we will see you guys next week. Have a happy Father's Day weekend.